Welcome back to the podcast, folks. This is Conversations with the Mind. Yes, you are in the right place, and I'm your host, Shane LaMaster. I want to start off by thanking all of you listeners. Your continued listenership means so much to us, so please continue to listen and tell your friends and family about the podcast. That's how we spread this conversation, and we get others involved in the conversation. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Also, please continue to like and share all of our posts when we put these up on social media. It is through your help that we get this message out. Our reach is only so far, but with your help, we can reach so many more people. So please continue to like and share. And if you like the content that you're hearing in these podcasts, please feel free to donate. There is a link at the bottom of whatever podcast app that you're using. Please feel free to donate to that if you find this information valuable in any way. Any amount of donation is accepted, and we appreciate everything that you are willing to donate even if it's a dollar even if it's five dollars please donate to the podcast all proceeds go back into it to make the message better for you and please check out our youtube page support and subscribe to the mind ops youtube page where we break down a number of these concepts and you can find videos on all sorts of topics that we have created so please check it out and here is a word from our sponsor Conversations with the Mind podcast is sponsored by MindOps.com. You can find us at www.mind-ops.com. We're an eclectic counseling company providing mental health and mental performance services to individuals, small and large groups, teams, businesses, military, through face-to-face sessions or at a distance using phone or confidential video chat apps. We bring a unique Buddhist Western lens and specialize in general psychotherapy for all mental difficulties, sport and performance psychology for performance enhancement, addiction counseling for any maladaptive or destructive habits, and psychedelic integration therapy to make the most from your visionary medicine work. We are available as well for corporate workshops to address the needs of your employees' wellness. And now to the good news story. All right, folks, this week's good news story is a great news story, and it's a local one, local here to Colorado anyway. Um, Let's see. So this is uh, the first week in May, and uh, we're coming up uh, in this next week, the second week of May, uh, being a historical uh, vote in Denver. I think it's specifically Denver County, but... It's going to be a vote to see if we can finally decriminalize psilocybin mushrooms. And I know this seems uh, a little controversial to some, but uh, to others like myself um, who follow the, you know, the medical research and, um, you know, the spiritual traditions around some of these medicines, this is really exciting stuff for us. So... What's basically happening is that in this next week, Denver's going to vote on a bill. Uh, They collected enough signatures to put it on um, the ballot, and Denver County is going to vote to see if they can decriminalize psilocybin. I think this would just be at the state level. Again, they'd probably still be uh, mistakenly classified incorrectly at the national or federal level, but at the... uh, 
at the state level, we can possibly decriminalize within the city. And that opens up all sorts of possibilities. That opens up possibilities in my line of work to begin doing research with uh, uh, psychedelic-assisted therapies, using mushrooms, um, anything from working on uh, mental health issues, which psilocybin has been shown to be effective for a lot of different mental disorders. Um, not only that stuff, but if it's decriminalized, then a lot of people will be using it more recreationally as well, and that opens up a lot of awesome opportunities, I think, for people to seek out proper integration after their experiences so that they can make the most of them. Um, if they're not working on, you know, if you're not working on mental health issues, maybe working on, you know, enhancing your spiritual connection or improving some aspect of your life that uh, may need some attention. So we all have stuff that we can be working on, and these medicines are amazing at opening up those channels and being catalysts for, for internal and external change. So this is great news. Uh, go Denver. Please get out and vote this week. Uh, we are counting on you, and let's make history again just like we did with the uh, cannabis votes that passed, and we, we see how well that's been working out um, all sorts of great statistics uh, you know crime is down uh, overdose death is down um, you know all sorts of wonderful things uh, tax revenue is up um, because of the cannabis um, legalization here so hoping for a lot of good things coming this next week with the vote please get out and do your due diligence uh, speak your voice and um yeah, let's get it done, guys. Um, so the conversation that's been on my mind this week uh, has been in the midst of early spring changes. Like I said, it's the beginning of May, and um, the trees are blooming, and the grass is turning green. Uh, we're getting snow here and there in Colorado, but largely it's bright and sunny and warm outside and very nice, and I'm loving it. Loving getting outdoors with my dogs, loving getting active as much as I can outdoors. I can't wait to start going on hikes and camping and mining and all sorts of cool stuff just to fill up my summertime. But uh, yeah, I've been reflecting a lot on the seasons changing and just the cycle of everything um, that we do. And you know how everything is cyclical, the seasons and... Um, you know, cycles like I'm going back to school soon and that's a whole new cycle starting all over again. And, um, it's just cool to be able to step back and look at all the different things that go on around you and how they intertwine and how they connect and how they unfold. And, you know, everything is in a state of flux and, um, you know, bad feelings don't last, but neither do good feelings. So it reminds us to stay present and stay, you know, vigilant in whatever we're working on. So I really have been thinking about that lately and just wanted to let you guys in on my mind recently. So our guest today is an amazing friend of mine, um, Tom Martin. He's a semi-professional downhill mountain biker, a jack of many trades. He likes to keep his hands busy. I think um, if I could characterize him, and he's he's had this uh, phrase kind of used 
to describe him in the past, but uh, he'd be the one to rebuild the world if it ended tomorrow. So he likes to use his hands and teach himself how to uh, do things like fix machines and garden and um, all sorts of cool things, you know. But we get into a really interesting conversation around uh, his mountain biking and things like that. He's got a strong passion for learning. And Tom and I met about six months ago when he started training at Z's Training Gym here in Fort Collins uh, with some jiu-jitsu. And uh, he has been a, become a good friend since then. And it's really cool to see his mental processes unfold, you know, as he's been dealing with some tragedy recently, but really approaching it with a positive mindset. And I think that's so cool and always a great lesson for all of us to learn that we can always view our circumstances positively or negatively. And it really impacts how you feel day to day about yourself. And um, as science will, will show, it impacts your physical outcomes as well so i hope you enjoy the show it was a lot of fun making it and this is the first episode that we um put up or that we filmed with the gopro and are putting up on youtube so please be kind with your comments um we're just getting started with this i haven't even figured it out um haven't put any intros or anything on it it's just raw footage that i'm going to put up there if you want to go to youtube and watch this interview um so take it easy on the comments, guys. I promise uh, this is lear a learning process, and I'm having a lot of fun figuring it out. So I look forward to creating more and more interesting content for all of you. So enjoy the show. And, um, yeah, this is Conversations with the Mind with Tom Martin. This is the Conversations with the Mind podcast, where we explore consciousness through conversations with interesting people. Our mission is to engage the collective mind piece by piece to bring greater clarity of mind to our listeners locally and across the planet, and to contribute to broaden the shared experiential knowledge and wisdom of existence. All right, folks, welcome back to Conversations with the Mind. I'm your host, Shane LeMaster, and we are joined by a good friend, Tom Martin. How are you, sir? Doing good. How about yourself? Doing excellent. Uh, the weather finally cleared up, but I heard it's, it's going to snow again next week. Uh, we've been kind of in this cycle here in Colorado where um, we'll get like dumped on for like a day or two, and then the next day it'll be 80 degrees. Yeah, it's kind of miserable because you start to get ready for spring, and then it's just mud. Right. You know. Yep. I'm sure you, yeah, we'll get into that too here in a, yeah. in a minute, what you do, but uh, uh, yeah, and so you guys know from the intro, if if you're watching on YouTube, um, this is our first uh, first ever podcast that we're streaming or we're putting up on YouTube, so um, please give us some feedback and let us know what we need to fix and, and we'll continue to improve. Uh, so Tom, I wanted to have you on the show for some of my own personal reasons, I, I want to get to know you better. Mm -hmm. um, but I also wanted to ask you, you know, the question that's always on my mind uh, around consciousness. And you've listened to the podcast before, so you know this question's coming. Yeah. And uh, so what does is, what is the phrase conversations with the mind mean to you? And how does that resonate with you? How does that unpack and unfold in your mind? Well, it's, it's kind of been an evolving thing, especially since listening to your podcast. Because, mm -hmm. you know, initially uh, to me it was kind of that when I, when I heard it and saw, read the name, uh, like 
thinking almost like Vulcan mind meld, like two minds meeting somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. and like sharing ideas. Um, and then, I mean, it kind of started also including like collective conscience uh, and uh, the collective conscious. And uh, um, then it, it's become also that like internal conversation, mm. like conversation in the mind for mm-hmm. me. It's been something that I've been spinning, you know. Nice. So let's start with that first one because, I mean, all three of those things are really distinct and really important parts of that conversation, yeah. I think. So the first one, the two minds coming together to meld, uh, that's kind of what you and I are doing right now, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and that's the whole purpose of the podcast. You know, I, I said that in the first couple episodes. It's just a meeting of the minds, you know, mm-hmm. and let's see what we create and um, see what comes out and hopefully it can help somebody. Um, do you think that when those minds come together like we are, like, do you think what we create, uh, what do they say, like the sum is greater than its parts? Yeah. Um, so what we create is much greater when we create it together as opposed to what we create on our own? Yeah, I think a lot of the time, um, you know, even when you create things on your own, like if you don't share those with other people, mm-hmm. like kind of what's the point in a way? Not 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 really what's the point, um, but in sharing it with other people you also can improve what you've cre- how fucking what you've created or yeah. what you've adopted for yourself yeah well i mean i my mind always goes to like jujitsu um and i think like yeah if i learned as much as i've learned in jujitsu but n- never had an opportunity to like share it with anybody or or teach anybody about the philosophy of it then it would have, I think it would have less value to me personally, but, um, I don't know, like it would be difficult. It's just, yeah, it's difficult holding on to something yeah. like that. You know, it's, that's exactly what I'm, I was like struggling to find the words for is that, um, like, I mean, in sharing it with other people, it also, it's like more fulfilling to me. Mm-hmm. And I guess maybe it's a personal thing, but like to me, uh, if I don't share those things that I've created, like they don't have as much value to me, you know, like, and why, why is that? I mean, cause I feel the same thing too. I, I think part of it is because, uh, I can find the ways to, if I don't share it with you, I don't get feedback on it. I think it's the ultimate of what I can reach in my potential. Um, if I get the feedback from somebody else, then that gives me pointers of these are the places that you can improve it. And then I can reach further than I thought I could. See, I think that, I think that's exactly what it is, you know? Um, and I don't know about your, your, uh, view, your spiritual worldview and mm-hmm. please, I mean, please let me know if, uh, if you want to share about that. But from my, um, spiritual worldview, like you are simply a reflection of me. Like we're, we're one in the same, uh, we're made out of the same atoms, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, you know, if we're of this singular consciousness and we're just fractals of it, then you, you are essentially me and the way I treat you is uh, going to have an impact on me, right? Mm-hmm. So, so by sharing something with you and getting that feedback, right? It's almost like um, you give me feedback that I already knew, but you're you're the the messenger, yeah. right? So, so without you to bounce it off of, you know, maybe I'll never have that insight inside exactly. of myself, right? Yeah. Um, and and same thing with ideas, and, and not just like the things that you you know, like for me, I'm very hands on. I like to build things, so it's always about kind of creating things Mm -hmm. less so ideas but with ideas as well like 
you know, you, you think a certain way, but if you don't bounce it off of somebody else, those two meetings of them, like the meeting of the mind is the creation of, you know, the uh, greater than the sum of their two parts. Like your ideas don't expand and grow. You're stuck in that smaller mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like uh, we close ourselves in or we paint ourselves into a corner with our own ideologies. Like we mm-hmm. get stuck in our own belief systems and stuck in our own mind states and our mind states can shift and things like that. But we'll get, we'll get ourselves stuck and uh, we'll feel like we have to dig in and defend it. You yeah. know, instead of, you know, I think it's a lot more productive, a lot more difficult. I'm still working on this, but a lot more productive to be like open to, to learning and, and adjusting my viewpoints and my belief systems and my value systems, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, yeah, this week in, in my group therapy, I, I do addiction work and in my group therapy this week, we're talking about, uh, value systems and belief systems and, um, I help them break it down like Asking yourself, like, where do our values come from? What are values, first of all? You know, values are things that drive behaviors. They're so much more than goals. They're not really things that we achieve, but they're things that, like, are underlying drives for us, the things that get us going, mm-hmm. right? So um, so that if those are what values are, and we can hopefully explore for ourselves and name some of what our values and strengths are, um, if we can identify those, then we can... Um, we can start to use those like for our benefit and I don't know where I'm I don't even know where I was going with that but uh, yeah honestly I don't know maybe I just got a little a little too ripped right before no but it'll come back but speaking about you know value systems and identifying like you know where did they come from were they imposed on you by someone else by advertising by TV by your parents by religion by your friends, like, where do your values come from? And taking a look at your own values and saying, like, are these mine or are these someone else's? And do I need these anymore? Are they useful to me or can I get rid of them? And through their addiction and and now recovery, like, I, I let them know, like, you're being given a, an amazing opportunity that most people don't take to, like, lay all your values on the table and pick and choose which ones are going to work for you and let the rest of them go. You know, mm-hmm. the ones that keep you in that box, the ones that keep you stuck in that ideology, right? Those are the ones that we need to take a closer look at and, and be like, are those even useful anymore? And in that kind of like a part of spiritual and emotional growth is the act of doing that. Yeah. You know, the process of. Yeah, that mm-hmm. is that is the, you know, the process of improvement and, and growth, right? Sure. So. That's what, that was the first idea of conversations with the mind. The second yep. one you said was engaging with the collective consciousness, which was yeah. a new topic for you. Yeah, somewhat. I mean, okay. I'd, I'd, it had been introduced to me when I was younger. Um, do you know the movie Waking Life? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Trippy-ass movie, mm-hmm. um, visually on its own. But then when you actually get into the ideas that they discuss in that, when you're like a younger kid, like I was in high school, and some of the ideas in that just blew my mind. So, yeah, in high school, I didn't and, even understand the ideas. They yeah. were over my head. And and the well, and they introduced, I forget which scene it's in, but they introduced the idea of the collective conscious in uh, talking about different scientific discoveries happening on opposite sides of the globe at the exact same time without communication between the two points. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, some study about crossword puzzles that they did, kind of a double blind where people were given yes, yesterday's crossword puzzles. Hmm. And they did better because the answers were already out there. Yeah, I think I read about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, that's where that idea was first introduced to me. Mm. And then in hearing it on this podcast, because I listen to it uh, pretty often, um, 
it you know it just kind of got that back into my mind mm. uh brought it back up for me um just kind of the idea that uh you can gain knowledge just from what's out there yeah um i often get a feeling like walking through campus any campus csu cu boulder like i just walk around i feel like i'm soaking in knowledge just by being there right because mm-hmm. all that data all that information all that uh intentional studying is like in the air yeah you can almost feel it mm-hmm. you know like a vibration i think that's really cool yeah okay so i mean you mentioned some really cool studies um well, I don't even know if those were studies, but just like yeah. observations that were made. Like, yeah. hey, this was kind of weird that this happened. And um, I don't know. Do you get into like quantum theory at all? Around no, that's, okay. that's over my head. Well, some of the things like um, <clears throat> I, I think it's uh, it's either quantum non-locality or, or superposition. One of those two that, uh, that says that like if two... Um, particles have been in contact with each other they've like shared some communication at some point mm-hmm. in in existence then they always have a bond because of that information shared and so um, when one particle is like on the other side of the planet and one's here and this has been studied too in different laboratories um, and you like agitate one particle the other one will respond with the agitation as well hmm. so they're like quantumly connected on a vibrational level, but it's not like it happens like one happens here and then like a couple minutes later it happens here. It's like simultaneous. simultaneous. So it's, yeah, instantaneous. And mm-hmm. they've measured that too um, on that on that teeny tiny level. But what you, what you shared about the scientists getting discoveries, I've heard of that too. And that's sort of um, even more quantum, I think, because that's like in the thought realm, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't know about you. I've had, I've had like these uh, in the past like ideas for inventions. Like, oh, that'd be a freaking sweet idea uh, if, if I just write it down. And then, like, two months later, you'll see it yeah. on the market or, like, in a magazine. Like, what the hell? Like, yeah, you think of a cool company name for something, and then suddenly there's one out there that, oh, yeah, they just started a little while ago. Right. You know, it's, it's interesting how that always happens. Most people write it up to coincidence. But, in, you know, in getting that thought in my mind, like, it, it kind of, you know, makes you wonder, think about things more in terms of that. And I guess it would be like quantum, you know, quantum level things because we're all made up of molecules and atoms. And mm-hmm. if you agitate one over here and one responds over here, then, you know, that's your brain functioning right there. Well, it's all it's all like butterfly effect, like times a zillion, you know, on the smallest scales, you know, every every atom influencing every other atom. Um pretty intense yeah so what do you think about the idea now that you have some some sense of at least what collective consciousness could mean like as a theory um what do you what do you think about like as far as some of the implications or i for me like i always i always think about like how do i access that like how do i tap into it how do i how do i make use of it because just knowing that it's there you know is great but i want to be able to use it so that's, that's where my thoughts go. Sorry, I'm going to adjust this while we're talking. But th- that's exactly you know what I was going to say is is it uh, you know it, it makes you kind of wonder how do you get how do you access it you know um, and you know what's the potential there because mm-hmm. I mean that's pretty much untapped potential if you can tie into you know the collective conscious because that's all knowledge that's ever been collected and accumulated anywhere ever it's out there. Mm-hmm. 
you know, if, if there's a way to actually access that, why not shoot for it? Do you feel like you've ever, um, oh, my co-host Ty is walking around, he's patrolling, so if you guys hear him uh, drinking water or growling or something, that's him. Um, tanks upstairs hanging with mom. Um, but yeah, sorry, we're, what, were, what were we talking about? Tapping in. The, the tapping in. So yeah. how do you, or have you had any instances of like uh, getting exposed to like a, a little a little drip or a little tap from that uh, collective conscious? Do you feel like you've ever had a download? I don't know. I don't think mm-hmm. so. Hmm. Well, no. yeah, I don't even know if any of us have. I don't know. I know there's people who've, who've talked about it, you know, Nikola Tesla getting, um, he thought he was getting beamed information from extraterrestrials. Um, yeah, really famous scientists in the past have, have felt or talked about like tapping into a larger knowledge base or a record system. Um, a lot of psychedelic uh, researchers and stuff mm-hmm. have talked about using those medicines to get to that you know, passing that over that veil, over that yeah. curtain. Um, yeah, but who knows? I mean, I've had a couple, uh, like, spiritual experiences mm-hmm. where I've had the whole, like, white light experience, um, things like that, and I've had, you know, breathworks and psychedelic experiences and altered states of consciousness through, like, um, extreme sports, you know, mm-hmm. and zen states and just things that come naturally. And I feel like in some of those moments, I get, like, a little glimpse at, like... Um, just a little t- taste of the information, but not even enough to make that much sense of. Maybe dreaming, too. Yeah. Dreaming can be a way to tap in. I was going to say, like, kind of that flow state in mm-hmm. extreme sports, like, that would be the closest thing for me mm-hmm. that I would think of maybe tapping into something else. Because, I mean, you get to a point where you're not even thinking about what you're doing and everything is just happening flawlessly. Like, right, you, you get know, out everything of Everything lines up, it. yeah. So, yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show today is um, I've known you for about six months now. We've been training together um, some jiu-jitsu at Z's, and, um, but I don't know much about you in your everyday life. I know you do construction. You know, I saw you out in, in town one mm-hmm. day, um, and I know you do mountain biking uh, semi-professionally, but I'm really interested in, you know, I have a master's degree in sport and performance psychology, so I'm always fascinated with sports and particularly extreme sports and really the mindset that goes into that because i mean what percentage of people go out and do that kind of stuff i really don't know there's not a less than one percent i i would think so yeah yeah i mean it's it's a uh to within our own world it's a big crowd but i you know i i couldn't really tell you i don't think there's a lot of people that at least go at it at that uh constant rate that the you know the little traveling circus that is the group that's always going to these mm-hmm. races is um it's a small group at least in this area right but even in general like i don't think there's that many people out there that even pursue you know uh call it death defying or um physically risky activity mm-hmm. like it seems like i don't know about you but um most people I see out in everyday life or that I talk to, like they, yeah, they don't, um, they don't do things that are hardening them, you know, or, yeah. um, that are, uh, testing them, testing their grit, testing, you're challenging them. You know, I see a lot of, um, I don't know if it's laziness or maybe it's fear, 
fear like people I are think that's a lot of it afraid of most the risk. people tell me that I'm crazy they're like yeah, oh right. my god aren't you scared of getting hurt like, it's like well yeah mm -hmm. you know it sucks being hurt I'm injured right now I can't do anything like uh, it's not fun but I mean there's also injuries you can play through mm -hmm. you know like I mean I've velcroed my hands to the handlebars when they're broken sometimes so I can race holy crap yeah tell me that story I uh, that sounds nuts. That was Nationals 2015. I went over the handlebars in practice. Uh -huh. There's actually an, a photo of me like doing a headstand with my bike still clipped into my feet. Um, and in the process, broke my hand, like ripped it open. Ended up needing five stitches. Hmm. Um, so you're clipped in? And yeah. Bike? Okay, I, I didn't even know that. Yeah. It's, it, it's so you can pick up the bike with your feet and kind of jump over rocks and mm -hmm. over holes. Makes, Makes it a little bit easier. And then you have more pedal power. Okay. Um, couldn't you do that with like a foot basket? That's yeah, what I've always but used. that would not. I, okay. I don't know. I mean, it's either like flat pedal with heavy pins. Yeah, right. Those suck to catch in the shins. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, I pop off the pedals when I ride flat, so I like to clip in when I race. Um, just a little bit more control. But I made it down to the bottom of the hill, fixed my bike, uh, taped my hand up, and I luckily I had a set of gloves that my mom had sewn Velcro onto so I could Velcro the glove back to itself around the handlebars mm -hmm. and just Velcro my hand to the bars and then went and raced. Yikes. Yeah. With a busted hand. Yeah, I ended up top 10 in the nation. I mean, there was only probably like 12 people that showed up in my category. Mm -hmm. um, that At the time, I think I was cat two. So that was, uh, it goes cat one, cat two, cat, or, sorry, cat three, cat two, cat one, pro. Uh, and I race Cat 1 now, but I mean, I started at the bottom, and at the time, at that Nationals, I was in Category 2. So you're like right on the verge of being a pro. Yeah. It's the, the fact that, that that top percentage of guys is so fast, mm -hmm. um, and the the way that they actually do those races at the higher level, like it's a, they thin it down. Uh, you have to do a qualifying race, and at the race, like each, each race day uh, or race weekend, you do a qualifier, and they only take the top uh, 75 or 100 depending on the race and the size um, so sometimes I mean you chase a ra you go all the way to a race and then you end up not qualifying and getting to do it hmm. and I'm you know I've come to realize I'm not that fast like as those guys like that so, top pro percentage those guys are crazy fast so the disparity in speed it sounds like is like the major component right the disparity mm -hmm. between your level which is right under pro yeah as opposed to like the top level pros, that disparity is huge. Oh, massive. It's like the gap. So how does, how does, well, and that's the big question. How does one um, bridge that gap? How does one turn yourself into, you know, one of these super athlete mountain biker? Like, how do you bridge that? How do you close I, that? I don't know. I yeah. mean, I think a lot of that is in the fact that, you know, having the time to train and, and growing up doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, I got into it uh, in my 20s. How long have you been doing it? Since 2010. So almost 10 years. Yeah, almost. And I've only been, I've been racing since, like actually racing since 2013, 2014. So you've only been racing, what, like five years? Five, six years, yeah. And you're already almost pro? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'll ever go pro. I mean, Is that ever a goal too. of yours? It was. Yeah. It was, but I mean, the injuries and reality kind of set in too, mm. just because of uh, also like budget, because it's expensive. It's extremely expensive. Bikes cost up to ten grand. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. And up then to, you, I mean, and you can wreck the bike on, on any given race yeah. day. 
Yeah, potentially. Well, I can, yeah, I would imagine that's an expensive one. My expensive hobby is shooting. Yeah. So guns get really expensive. Ammo is expensive. Like the optics that I put on my things are like, uh, my rifles are like, you know, Mm -hmm. $1,200 optics. And yeah, these things get ridiculous. But I don't know. We're we're boys and we like our toys, you know? And, and, you know, when you think about it, the money you put into it, you get so much more out of the sport. Oh, yeah. It makes it all worth it. Like you would pour heart and soul into it just to, because it's not about, you know, it's not about being a pro, you know, maybe at one time it at, was. At one time it was, it was a goal, but I mm-hmm. mean, uh, now at least like hopefully this year I'll be able to go to world championships for masters. So that'll be the closest that I can get because it's a full on world cup track. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll get to race on the world cup track that, that the actual pros, you know, are on. So you can gauge circuit. your time against what they and, and it's not even quite about that. It's just like, that's the highest level I can get to is participating in a world championship. Mm-hmm. So It'd be awesome. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, I can make it there. What's the um, you know? I know some sports have like a certain age range where people will peak in. Um, mm-hmm. What's like? What's the age range for uh, peak competition in your sport? Uh, I anywhere between eighteen and thirty six. Okay, so because after I mean, thirty six. No, I, I well, I, I think Greg Menard's thirty six, thirty seven years old, mm-hmm. um, and he's still at it. Um, yeah, he's in his thirties. I know that mid to late thirties. And, yeah, he's still one of the top-level pros. Mm-hmm. And then there's guys that are coming in that once they turn 18, they go from junior expert into pro. And uh, those guys are winning races, too. So it's really hard to judge. Hmm. You know, what there's a... Because, you know, as you get older, your, your mental game gets better. And, I mean, what, now people claim that your physical prime is at 30. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, you know, as... Like, unless they're just really uh, wise young, like some of the, that, the reason that some of these guys are able to race into their late 30s and still be a top-level pro is their mental game mm-hmm. is so much better. Mm-hmm. Well, I certainly believe in that, too, because yeah. that's, that's, that's what I do for a living. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I'm noticing that, too. Like, I'm in my mid-30s, and technically I should be in my physical prime, but... By this point in my athletic career, like I'm so beat up and broken too. Like, my body does not feel 35. It yeah. Feels much like right now, I'm dealing with like I think I tweaked and pulled my back almost threw my back completely out uh, last night and this morning. So that's why I'm like adjusting. I'm like sitting all weird right now and like breathing funky. So, um. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, there's. I mean, there's a lot of injuries that stack up pretty quick, and that's. I mean, that's part of what. You know, those guys, the, the difference between, at least for me, guys like me or me individually and some of those pros is also the the ability to just not crash and not get injured. Right. And that's that's what I'm noticing, too, is like people who have really long competitive lives, the majority of them like are fortunate to not have many injuries. Mm-hmm. Right. Like they somehow avoid it better yeah. or something or just naturally uh, athletic athleticism plays into that. Um, but uh you know, for some of us and a lot of us, we do get major injuries and that takes a toll on, you know, are we going to keep competing or are we ever going to reach that level? And, yep. um, you know, I, I used to have goals of wanting to be, you know, world champion this and world champion that and stuff. And doesn't every kid that does sports. Sure. <laughs> sure. And, uh, you know, I still hold hopes for maybe masters division worlds mm-hmm. someday. 
uh, I'd love to at least compete, man. That would be awesome uh, in masters in jujitsu. But, <clears throat> um, but I also realize that you know my injuries give me limitations. Yeah, you know, and I have to learn to work around that instead of having it be something that makes me quit. Like I don't. I don't want something like that to ever make me quit. Well, it's all about adapt and overcome, right? Right. Well, the mental toughness mm -hmm. is what we're getting is what we're getting at, you know. And some people just don't have that. Like, so many people I've known, you know, will come into jujitsu or any other sport, uh, MMA, and get their first major injury, and then I never see them again. Yeah. You know, um, and they maybe had so much potential or whatever, but they let the I don't know someone let the fear overtake them like I don't know if I can ever do that I can't put myself in that position ever again some people you know um, the pain is just so overwhelming that they're like I don't ever want to risk that again yeah um, oh, some I people I get so scared went yeah. to a little bit of a dark place after I, I recently had my MCL popped uh, in a tournament I'm going to be getting an MRI Wednesday to find out Wednesday nice yeah uh, what, so what yeah how did that happen is. in the tournament it was just a, a deep half guard mm -hmm. and I was on top in deep half guard and uh, he had my my right leg locked down and he uh, underhooked my leg and was going to roll me and when he did that his lockdown rotated to the side of my leg and he had it up high behind the knee and it you know his foot that was locked down was on my shin still but it went rotated around to the side and popped it sideways mm -hmm. out to the side so uh, you know dealing with that right now um, but I definitely got worried, kind of freaked out right when it happened that, oh, my God, I'm not going to be able to mountain bike this year. And this year is when Masters World Championships mm -hmm. is. And, um, but then it's just kind of like, all right, well, how am I going to get through this? What am I going to do? And instead of, like, continuing to worry about it. Um, so you were yeah. focused already on the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. From the get-go. Yeah, you're like, mean, you're I, like I, okay, this happened, but that you have to have some level of acceptance, right, to mm -hmm. be able to move on to that solution, right? Yeah, I think a lot of people uh, will get stuck on on the, you know, the, the self pity part. Yeah, you know, like this happened to me, poor me, why me, why now? You know, the timing's wrong. Instead of being like, okay, this happened, there's nothing I can do about it now, except for rehab to the best of my ability, and then use it, uh, yeah, in the future to drive me. For, for me, I think why now is still a legitimate question, but mm -hmm. not in that negative way. Mm -hmm. I think it's why now the timing might be right for something else, mm -hmm. you know? Like, uh, I mean, I've been going pretty hard at the gym. Like, maybe I hurt my leg because I'm overworked, needed the time off. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Well, the timing you know? is perfect. The yeah, timing that's, is always that's exactly perfect. what I mean. Yeah, right. so why now? But So what's the reason why now? So, yeah, it's like a why now, like honestly you're curious to learn from it yes like you like, want to know yeah that's that's kind of the point that i've gotten to now and i mean maybe that's part of that you know your mental game getting better with maturity mm -hmm. I, I i think maturity over age mm. um i don't think age matters so much no i know a lot it's, of older people that are not mature exactly that's what i mean you know mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a grown-ass child mm -hmm. that's for sure mm -hmm. um and you know trying to like learn and grow in that side of of me you know and that uh the maturity side of things like because i can still you know you you can i guess grow up mature but you don't actually have to grow up you can still be a kid because i mean i'm 31 years old and still riding a mountain bike as fast as i can down a hill mm -hmm. dodging trees like mm -hmm. well what is what does mature mean 
I, I, you know, that's, that's, I guess that's a big question, right? right? Like, uh, I think for me, a maturity more has to do with your emotional state. Uh, like, um, kind of knowing that like you can, can not control your emotions, but I mean, you're like, you know where they're coming from, you know what they're based on. And you're so, not like yeah, we call this emotional intelligence. Yes. So having yeah, so having some understanding of your own emotions, but also, you know, being able to hold your shit together when you yes. need to. You yeah. know, um, some sense of a little bit of, of mastery or at least practice. And, and kind of like the 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 empathy to understand like other people, like mm-hmm. what what other people's emotions might be, right? So being because able to take in, an altered perspective, or yeah, in in doing that, you're like. You know, and you're treating people better. You're treating yourself better, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's that's kind of that maturity for me, or like what my definition of it would be is that kind of uh, level of emotional intelligence to understand like where things are coming from and how to, you know, treat people better and yourself, you know, take care of yourself better. Mm-hmm. I think maturity also has a lot, uh, or is strongly tied to like self awareness. Yeah. So like when I. Because I, th- when you're talking, I'm trying to think of like, well, what's the best examples of mature people that I know? And it was really hard for me to like pick out um, character traits of what makes a mature person. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes the easiest way to put your finger on what you're looking at is to look at the opposite of what it is. So I'm like, what does an immature person look like? Uh, well, an immature person is like totally. Oh, oh. oh. there's Ty. Invaders. Yeah. Yep. My Thank color. you for keeping us yeah. safe. Good oh, boy. Hi, come here. Yeah, my co-host, he's he's on security duty right now too. Yeah, come here, come here. Good boy, come join the podcast. All right. Um, to where was I? Immature. I keep losing. Yeah, I keep traits losing, of immature people. Keep losing my train of thought. In order to that, find that, that herb was really good. Um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so in order to find out for myself, like, what does maturity mean? I had to look at immature. Uh, in my mind and and to me that's like people who are emotionally unregulated Mm -hmm. so zero control over their emotional state at any given time um zero awareness of other people's emotion and how they're impacting other people um and also i don't know i think there has um yeah this self-awakening this self-awareness so they're not aware necessarily of who they are or how they're impacting other people Whereas the mature person is sort of like, okay, I know, I know where where I sit a little bit. Mm-hmm. I know my place in the world just a little bit, or I have some understanding of, you know, the interconnectedness, how I affect other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but you can still be mature and do immature things. Yes. Right. You can still be mature and do mountain biking. I'm sure you could do mountain biking while being mature. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah definitely. There's some of the you know very successful people that I that I know that they come out on the weekends and get stupid with us going down the mountain nice you know um, and that's just something that I've been learning you know I'm like trying to 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 grow and mature is like learning that I can still do these certain you know childish things and, mm-hmm. and still take care of my shit I think that is an important piece of maturity that I think most people don't understand that you know we're taught from a young age, or from our teenage like years, get rid of all the childish things. Mm-hmm. Get rid of your imagination. Get rid of your creativity. But what I'm starting to realize now is that 
part of being mature and part of being whole as a human being is like I have to engage and balance with my playful side and my creative side and my artistic side because I live so much of my life in the rational realm, Mm -hmm. you know, like problem solving, rational, um, you know, day-to-day scheduling and crap like that. I need to find that balance in those other childish things. And I think through that um, balance, we'll find more wisdom about ourselves, more self-awareness and gain a higher level of maturity, you know? Um, What do you think? I mean, it's the same sort of thing for me because, I mean, I I work in, in manual labor and construction, and it's pretty formulaic. I mean, it, it's I cut and drill concrete and asphalt. Mm. So I mean, it's it's the same process on repeat. And the things I enjoy about it are when I get to problem solve, when it's actually different. Um, you know, there's just some weird little tweak or challenge about how to set up my equipment or do my job. The things that keep you on your toes. Yeah, that's the part I like about it, right? But for the most part, it's just kind of drive to a job site and do the same thing mm-hmm. you know same in my job too man yeah i i hear so many of the same story over and over and over and that's the monotonous part mm-hmm. of, of the work because a lot of people's suffering and addictions and pain come from similar sources so yeah. it makes sense that i hear the same the same stories over and over but it's the clients that come to me and they're and they have uh, really unique um, backgrounds or circumstances that uh sort of keep me going every single day keep me going to work every day you know because i hope that you know i can you know it's like i'm it's like i'm doing a podcast at work every day too Mm -hmm. just talking to everyday people like getting into their mind and like what's going on man yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and so with with work being that way like kind of it's nice to have these other creative outlets and and places where you can go like be wild and you know, do it different. So for you, your creative outlets are the mountain biking and jujitsu currently, right? Uh, in terms of physical, yeah, okay. like that sort of a thing, yeah. So then what are, like, do you have any intellectual pursuits that you're... Well, I mean, I, I learned how to make knives and... Nice. Um, I mean, it's still a lot of, like, very physically based things where mm-hmm. I'm still creating things. I like working with my hands. Um, growing up, I was always told to be productive. You know, get woken up and go be productive. Mm. So, you know, do your chores before you can go out and go have fun, you know, and and like I learned how to make certain things enjoyable, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like I like doing yard work now. Um, I used to hate it when I was a kid. I I always kind of enjoyed it, Mm. but I loved getting paid to do it. Yeah. My mom would pay me. (laughs) That's the only way she could get us out there to pull weeds. But, um, but now in my, yeah, like you said, like I really enjoy it now. Yeah. Like, it's really grounding for me, um, just being outside in, in nature. And that's got to mm-hmm. be another benefit of mountain biking, too. Like, yeah. I would, lo- I would love to um, get back into a sport that's outdoors like that. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's one of the things that's really nice is you go to these race venues and you don't have good cell service, so you just sort of turn it off. And, I mean, you're concentrating on, like, rock, rock, tree, rock, turn, mm-hmm. jump. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, trying to make sense of the hill and let off the brakes as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's very cleansing of the mind. Like, I'm sure there's not much else you can think about when you're doing that, right? And and that's again like that's that closest to you know hitting flow state and uh, tapping into something else that I've ever gotten is like doing that, right? Um, so the courses that you do, and I'm trying to imagine in my head, but there's a few scenarios that are going through my head. One is that it's just straight up um natural terrain 
there's a trail you go down the hill. Uh, another one I'm, I'm thinking of is when I walk through the forest and I see like those uh, wooden bank turns mm-hmm. um, that are pre-created. Um, I'm thinking of courses with that. Um, and then the third thing I'm thinking of is like those mountain biking videos that I see of guys like racing down ridges and doing really far drops off of um, like rock faces yeah. and stuff like I'm, I'm having a tough time uh, and this is just my ignorance mm-hmm. in, in the field of yeah, mountain biking I but guess like, it needs to be kind of explained yeah if you could explain yes yeah, sh- um, what do you think it's it's most of the time it's at a ski resort okay for for the racing because it the the lift makes it a whole lot easier otherwise you got to use a shuttle truck hmm. and I mean there's things like they'll load bikes into the back of or bikes and riders into the back of u-haul vans hmm. and then just drive them up to the top of the hill or you know uh, flatbed trucks all kinds of different setups for uh for that and that's a lot more intent uh time intensive and, and labor intensive versus the ski resorts mm-hmm. um so around here at least mostly it's at ski resorts uh keystone winter park granby uh vale crested butte they've all got mountain bike parks now where you ride the lift to the top and it's uh trails just kind of winding their way back down the mountain all the way to the base and usually the race course is the most direct line through the worst terrain that they can find um, because they want it to be difficult, they want it to be fast. Uh, but it's all natural terrain. Uh, it it's a combination of machine belt and hand built trail, so kind of like your skinny single track hiking trail mm-hmm. uh, into wider sections. You know, machine width six eight feet wide that uh, have huge jumps and. Um, so there are man made obstacles. Yeah, a lot too. of man made obstacles they'll put in. Uh, some of them only for like safety reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, it just depends on the race course and the race organizer, what type of race they're trying to have, uh, especially with the local races. Um, but, uh, so what are the, what are the races then that use the, the prefabbed, um, bank turns and things like the, that? The that berms, you know, so some of that's built into the, built into the trail. There'll be oh, okay. berms and turns and, uh, it's just kind of all up to trail builder discretion and then the race organizer, what they decide they want the race course to be. Uh, because the trails are all pre-built on the mountain mm-hmm. um so that's the you know they've got a you know summer long bike park up at you know winter park for example and they've got the established trail system and then they just interconnect different trails to create a race course mm-hmm. so they want to have something that's uh wide and machine built with the you know wooden jumps and uh things like that they'll tie that section into another piece where they want it to be uh, much more natural skinny mm-hmm. winding through the trees and kind That's of awesome. cobble together race courses in that way yeah, i like the variability mm-hmm. um you know and those ski resorts are they're experts at making those you know the ski runs as long as possible yeah right? because you gotta wait on the freaking lift forever they might as well make it like a mile or two to get down the hill i'm sure they can do the same thing with the yeah with the mountain biking it's yeah. the same sort of a thing and, and 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 then it's organized the same way as a ski uh ski resort where it's green through black and then they have got extreme as well uh there's some places that even have trails that you've got to take a safety course and prove that you can ride it because hmm. it's you know people can get hurt hitting jumps that big the, the Ridgeline stuff you were describing, that's actually an event called Red Bull Rampage, or sometimes it's just guys that free ride that stuff for fun. Um, but that's not that's not racing. Generally, that's a huge free ride competition, so that's its own, its own pigeonhole of mm-hmm. the sport. So that's kind of like, if, if I were to translate into like snowboarding language, because that's what I've always known my whole life, like uh, racing, 
would be sort of like alpine snowboarding, mm-hmm. right? And then the, the ridge line stuff would be more like uh, like slope style, freestyle. Like you're gonna pick a line and do the coolest yeah, trick the, or the, the coolest the drop. big mountain, right? Uh, yeah. So it's like biggest trick, biggest baddest trick, or mm-hmm. best line that yep. wins. Yeah. So in it's terms of competition, cool. yes. Mm-hmm. And then there's guys that just do it for fun as well. So who's crazier? The racers or the Ridgeline guys? It's impossible to say. Really? Yeah. Is I there mean, a debate depending. in it? I don't think there's much of a debate on, on it because everybody appreciates what the other does. Because mm-hmm. we, we all know how difficult it is. Um, at least, I mean, I'm only speaking for myself. I don't know about other people. Um, sure. But I, I know how difficult it is to sack up and do something like that. And there's things that those guys, I mean, I would I have tried to do tricks before. I almost got knocked out and ripped my chin open doing backflips. Um, and I, that's when I stopped trying to ride park quite so much. Mm-hmm. That and I took a really bad head slam on concrete, and you bounce off dirt and rocks a little bit better than you do concrete. Um, yeah, I'm sure you don't bounce off trees too easily either. I, I, I yeah, it's not it's not fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've bounced off a couple, um, but you know I don't do the the tricks anymore because I I never got that good at it, and these guys are extremely good at it. So I know how hard it is to learn and to do so i just i have nothing but respect for it i don't mm-hmm. really care to try to compete with them yeah and most so you, of those guys are faster than me going down the hill anyway okay. <laughs> so you guys are you guys are both crazy yeah but you guys are crazy in your own different ways yes yeah. i mean i think everybody's crazy sure everybody's just it, it, i think that just applies to the entire human population yeah everybody's crazy in their own way and i like it this way i like being a little, a little more a little off yeah um yeah, I have a lot of people, you know, come to me and they tell me, you know, I want to I want to be normal. I want to feel normal. Mm-hmm. I want to behave normally. And um, I always have to challenge that, that use of that word. Like, well, what is normal? You know, and yeah. who, if, the, you know, is that what society says is normal? Is that what your parents say is normal? Like, is this what you think is normal? Like, what is normal? Yeah, it's normal you? according to who? Right. It's subjective, number mm-hmm. one. And... You know, once you even figure out what normal is to you and you can define it, like, why why would you want to be like everyone else? Why would you want to be normal? Like, I want to be an outlier. I want to be unique. I want to be um, different. I want mm-hmm. to be remembered, you know? it's yeah. Yeah, I don't want to blend in with the crowd, you know? Yeah. It's um, a difficult, uh, difficult mindset for me to, to deal with as a therapist, you know, mm-hmm. so, someone who wants to just be normal so i always challenge that just to get uh, get people thinking about like well what does that mean to me and most of the time people figure out that they're really not normal you know yeah. from what they think they are that they're actually extraordinary in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um and that they're you know self-sabotaging to try and maintain this normality you know that society wants to keep them in this box you yeah. know of, of normality and that's what they think that they need to fit in and if they don't then they're you know, they're going to be ostracized or, you know, whatever. It's just interesting. But you and I, like, we embrace this this uh, uniqueness and this um, desire to want to go push ourselves and, mm-hmm. like, put ourselves in challenging situations. Uncomfortable places. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, mountain biking is, it can be very, it's uncomfortable. Like, a lot of guys get scared. Mm-hmm. You know, you know the potential to get hurt is there. And I think that maybe, you know, that's why, like, I take to jujitsu so much is like it's just all about being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, can I make you uncomfortable enough that you give up? Mm-hmm. 
that's what it's yeah that's what it's about yeah so it's just, you know it's just dealing with uncomfortable situations and puzzling your way through them so maybe that do you think that's another aspect of maturity like being able to deal with the uncomfortable in ways that are that, that are freeing or productive mm-hmm. like I think that's a sign of maturity like yeah. an immature person maybe can't adapt to adversity yeah I think that's that's probably part of it because mm-hmm. I mean you know uh, like you you refuse to you know like a kid throws a tantrum because they're not getting their way mm-hmm. you know like versus an adult doesn't get their way or like a mature person doesn't get what they want and they move on mm-hmm. you know all right well what's the next thing mm-hmm. yeah and yeah so that's why i mean you're talking about how you how you took to jujitsu so well because of that yeah oh that i mean mindset. yeah it's just and it's a, it's another puzzle to solve mm-hmm. you know like how what can i do to to get myself out of a situation, where can I go? What's the, what's the move to make you do this? You know, um, mm-hmm. it's the same sort of thing with you know like mountain biking. Like, how do I make it down this trail fastest? You know, where's what rock do I jump off of? Where do I want to keep my tires on the ground? Um, you know, kind of. So it's a strategic mindset that you're applying to both. Yeah. Um, and you've developed that really well for the you know the downhill. You know, you have to pick your line. Yeah. And use the obstacles in creative ways. Mm-hmm. And you apply the same, like, strategy to jiu-jitsu. And that's probably why you took to it so well. Like, put, put your foot here. Do the next step here. Like, this is my line mm-hmm. to get to the submission. Yep. You know? And, uh, yeah, I find that people who have an athletic background or who have been athletes in other sports who come over um, usually adapt their mindset pretty well. Um, to jiu-jitsu and find it really enjoyable uh, I think it's one of the the best sports to engage like the uh, the mental side mm-hmm. of the sport like it's such a chess match not yeah. only physically but like way more intense up here in your mind mm-hmm. the chess match that's going well, on because it's easy to kind of spin out of control mm-hmm. which I guess that's that kind of like that third thing of spin out of control like physically? I mean yeah well no in your mind yeah mentally you know mm-hmm. like you get into the uncomfortable situations and you know you start to kind of freak out mm-hmm. like oh what if this happens what if that happens oh mm-hmm. no ah. you know that fear kind of starts kicking in and, and then that that internal chatter like gets negative and then you you know you end up tapping yeah <laughs> well you manifest it yeah um yeah so that's a great segue into the yeah the third thing that you mentioned uh, as far as what conversations with the mind means to you and you were talking about the internal conversation mm-hmm. that you have with yourself and I've said it many times on this podcast that I think that challenging situations and jujitsu for me particularly but for everyone out there listening like any challenging situation is going to put you in that mindset for growth mm-hmm. you know um, that that's a it's almost a requirement yeah. Like to push yourself outside your, your comfort zone. Oh, definitely. I mean, what's mm-hmm. the, the cheesy phrase, pressure makes diamonds? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. It's I mean, true. That, that's that's a oversaid thing for a reason. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you, you put yourself under pressure and you end up coming out better. Sure. You know, something better than what you were before. 
at least if you handle it properly. And I guess that's a thing of maturity with the adaptive mindset. Right. And the conversation you have to have with yourself. Because mm-hmm. we're all having this internal conversation. Like, yeah. Should I do this? Should I do that? What if that happens? Um, oh, shit, that was scary. Um, you know, all these internal things that we don't even, you know. Uh, I'm aware of them a lot of the time because of my mindfulness practice, but I've been mm-hmm. developing that for like 10 or 15 years. You know, most people out there who don't have any awareness practice like that, like most of their automatic thoughts throughout the day, just, you know, they don't even notice them happening. Oh yeah. You know, that inner dialogue just becomes like an inner voice. Yeah. The, in, the inner monologue that's going mm-hmm. on though, but that's exactly, you know, to me, what, what I think of like with the conversation in the mind mm-hmm. is that inner monologue. Mm-hmm. Like that constant ticker tape of of thoughts and, I don't know, stream of consciousness that's just constantly blasting through there. Sure. And unfortunately, a lot of ours in this culture is fear-based. Mm-hmm. Like that internal dialogue. Oh, yeah. Like even your example of, uh, you know, racing. Like a lot of people have a f- internal fear dialogue. Like, what if I hit that tree? What if I don't make that jump? What if I, you know, mm-hmm. and then they manifest it, <laughs> unfortunately, because yeah. oh, yeah. you know, they're so worried about that stuff. Um, it takes up so much of their mental energy that they almost go towards it. Um, but in everyday life and for the listeners out there, just like everyday use, you know, paying attention to that conversation a little bit yeah. more, just, you know, stopping when you, when you, when you notice like, Oh, I, I just had an opinion on something like Mm -hmm. sit with it for a little bit and be like, where did that come from? Why do I think about that? That's something that I've been kind of working on is like, you know, especially taking note of like judgmental negative type of things. Mm. And like, why am I being negative about this? Because like, you know, do I really need to be a dick right now? Like, you know, like you, you think of some, you see somebody doing something stupid, right? And you kind of like overthink something negative it's not just like oh that's goofy like you actually kind of like think something mean like mm-hmm. that guy's a fucking idiot mm. like well why why do i need to be that harsh why do i need to be that mean like that that just negative judgmental internal chatter like for me like i'm trying to be more mindful of that mm. and then take note of it and be like okay well i didn't mean that like you know like i don't need to be feeling that way Right, and you do it to yourself. Yeah, because, because yeah, yeah, you holding on to that anger isn't doing anything to it's him. It's going to end up coming out somewhere else. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to be a jerk to the next guy on a job site, and then the next time I work for him, he's not going to want to help me out as much because I was such an ass. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just like you build up all that negative, that those negative thoughts and that internal mind chatter. Like, uh, you know, you, like for me, like I'm trying to be more mindful of that and just kind of let that go. Mm. So letting it go requires action, right? That's, I mean, letting it go as, uh, I don't know, it's sort of verbish, right? Yeah. It, it just, uh, I don't know, it it screams action. So how do you, what action do you take to let it go? What do you, what do you do actively? For me right now, I mean, I'm still working on that. Yeah, yeah. But like it, just being conscious of it, then I'm able to, to just sort of, you know, like it's like, if you were writing everything down on paper, well, that one gets thrown away. Mm-hmm. You know, like it just sort of doesn't become sure. a part of that, the record keeping. Or you know what I mean? Yeah, I think um, I think what I do is, uh, you know, if I have like a negative thought about someone or something or some situation, and I'm and I become aware of it and I catch myself and I'm like, why am I thinking that way? Um, how I try and 
you know, because we can we can really um, dig our claws of attention and and energy and focus into negative thoughts, right? And mm-hmm. then downward spiral into a rabbit hole if we allow yep. ourselves to, or if we give up the control a little bit. Um, so before that, like when I when I become aware of it, I'm like, wow, that was really dickish of me to do that. Um, you know, it's difficult to let it go, but I think what I try and do is um, I try and counter that thought try and counter that thought with like other alternatives that could be happening right Mm -hmm. so say i see some guy at the gym and he's misusing a piece of equipment that's like doing damage to that piece of equipment and in my head i'm like you fucking asshole like why don't you why don't you learn how to like take care of this shit and it's not doing him any harm me thinking this right Mm -hmm. and i could just hold on to that during my whole workout and it would probably have a negative effect on my workout and keep me in a bad mindset all day. because yeah, it does you harm. Right. But instead, like, I'll catch myself in that thought and be like, oh, well, what if he just doesn't have education around weightlifting? What mm-hmm. if he's never been taught um, how to lift those weights? Um, you know, what if he has, uh, you know, a developmental issue and he literally can't set the weight down softly? Mm-hmm. Like, I have no idea. So I just start making up all these alternative uh, explanations in my mind, and that sort of lets the lets the air out of the bag of anger right yeah. so if my anger is like this big whoopee cushion filling up or whatever like m- having those alternatives just kind of like let that air air back out yeah you know? and then it's it's not as like i'm not as mad that that guy's like doing that anymore i'm like why does that even affect me and then all these other questions help me to kind of let it go mm-hmm. yeah but i i do feel like letting it go is is a tag phrase that a lot of us say yeah but there's a lot more to letting it go than just saying that. Like, there's some action to it, and uh, people let things go in a lot of different ways. Um, we all do it in a lot of different ways. Yeah. I let certain things go with tears. You know, I let other things go with journaling. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, I've journaled. Uh, you know, one of my favorite activities that I've done is, um, you know, journaled a goodbye letter to some of my addictions and then like burned it. Right. So mm-hmm. like physically like letting it go with a symbolic gesture, like big things like that, um, you know, they require action. Yeah. You know, for me, I think it, like it, that's part of the, the physical outlet mm-hmm. for me is, is that's where a lot of that stuff goes. You let it go through physical exertion. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think so. I mean, I think that like it, I definitely process a lot of things like I feel more, more clear a lot of the time when I, you know, get out and ride or. Like even, you know, when I go to the gym, you know, mm-hmm. that's why I'm always one of the last people that leaves a uh, open mat because mm-hmm. I like being there as long as possible. Like it's, it's definitely a good place to just, you know, it's a good physical outlet and be at peace at the end of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that's a, a good segue for us to switch gears into the next segment. So uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break for our listeners and uh, our YouTube people out there. Uh, we're going to take a quick break on the audio, um, but we'll get right back to it with Tom um, on the second segment of Conversations with the Mind, episode 39. Just taking a quick commercial break, folks, to uh, remind you to check out our YouTube page. That's the Mind Ops YouTube page, as well as our website, www.mind-ops.com for all your 
general psychotherapy needs, uh, sport and performance psychology needs, uh, psychedelic integration needs, and addiction counseling needs. So go check those out and uh, also check out our Facebook. Check out our YouTube. Uh, There's a lot of useful resources on there. And, uh, yeah, enjoy. Back to the show. All right, so we're back with Tom Martin here. Um, Thanks for sticking around on YouTube and uh, to our podcast listeners. Um, So, yeah, we were talking about... Say it again. Well, like the the physical outlet um, for, you know, like that, like you called it, that that airbag. Yeah. bag of air, like letting that out, like kind of deflating it. Yeah, so... I I think a lot of that, I can, you know, process that out that way. And how do you... But what do you do now in in your current situation? Because you're injured, right? Yeah. And I've I've been in the same place you have, too. I'm curious, though, like, if you don't have that physical outlet to to get that out, how do you you express that? I mean, well, the first week... I, mean, I was on the couch. That was kind of the going into that dark, mm-hmm. the the darkness there in my head, um, kind of the self pity stage of things. Because I think everybody has to process it their own way, and I mean that's definitely what I did. A lot of time on the couch playing video games, um, and now I mean I'm a little bit more mobile at the moment. So I mean I've been getting out in the yard, like uh, getting my garden beds ready for planting, and and then uh, like pulling weeds, doing things like that, because I can kind of move around and sit and. Mm-hmm. So it's easy. Um, but, I mean, just finding ways to be productive right now. I think I'm just kind of getting some of that. Keeping your hands busy. Yeah, keeping my hands busy. Yeah, so we were talking about, you know, letting things go and how it requires for you some physical release. Mm-hmm. And even though you can't do your favorite activities, you know, jujitsu and mountain biking, you can still get it through gardening, you know, getting it through activity, keeping your hands busy, keeping yourself productive. Yeah. That's your... It's your, it's your outlet. That's how you do it. Mm-hmm. That's how you let things go. Yeah, nice. I think so. I think um, I used to do that more with my physical. Um, now I think I, I do better at letting things go uh, through like meditation mm-hmm. and through um, you know th- thought restructuring and shifting my perspective on the situation. I think that's how I let go of things the best these days. Yeah. Um, but the physical piece is, is for sure great. You know, yeah. I mean, we build up tension and we build up, um, you know, with anger and frustration and, you know, we get all gnarly and, and we feel like tight and we got to go do something physical. You mm-hmm. got to go get that out somehow. I mean, there's real chemical stuff going on in your body that you're holding on to that you got to, you know, you got to work out of your muscles and get that stuff out. Yeah. And I mean that then, you know, like you're, you're talking about meditation, like I've been trying to get into, I mean, currently I can't do it, but doing yoga and mm-hmm. then. Uh, starting to learn like what meditation's all about and kind of how to get into it um, just to kind of find other outlets and you know other ways to to get you know and I don't think it's all about necessarily letting negative stuff go either you know it's also like intake of mm-hmm. like positivity mm-hmm. you know um, like going to the gym is such a happy place like everybody at Z's is freaking amazing Mm, I um, agree. So, you know, like you, you, you're not just like emptying out, like you're, you're getting to refill, you know, if you're talking about like your, your, your bag of air, like you're, you know, you're refilling that with like good stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like you're, you're gaining back, uh, like I said, positivity. I know it's kind of cheesy, but like, that's how I think of it. No, you're you absolutely know? right. You know, I, uh, it's important what you yeah, what you put in here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's important what you put in your mind. And 
you know, a lot of us think of like uh, diet uh, only in regards to like what we eat and drink. Mm -hmm. But diet is everything you take in, you know. Diet is, you know, you take in things through what you choose to view, you know. Yeah. What you watch on TV, that's diet, man. Are you taking in negative nutrients through your eyes, mm -hmm. you know, by watching the news every day? You know, you're going to feel like shit. Yeah. Um, you know, what are you listening to? You know, are you listening to positive podcasts that are inspirational? Or are you listening to, you know, stuff that, that is always like, bitch this, bitch that, and putting people down? And, you know, that's going to make you feel negative a lot of the mm -hmm. time. You know, so all these things are diet. And feeding yourself with good stuff, feeding yourself with healthy things, feeding yourself with new knowledge, with, um, yeah, new insight, with humor, with laughter, with love, with all these wonderful things, like... That makes a huge difference. Yeah, it keeps that it keeps that internal monologue like it keeps it more positive. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You're less inclined to have negative things to to think and say about people. The more that you you're, you know, intaking like more positive things. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like if you've got the, the scales tipped, like it it like I feel a difference. The more that I have thought about that and processed that in my mm -hmm. mind, like I can feel a difference just how I feel day to day. Like, I feel better. I feel lighter, you know. When you're more positive. Yeah. You know, and, and around more positive people and, and you know, engaged in, in, for me, like, you know, everything's tangible. Like, productive activities, building mm -hmm. things, you know. Like, I mean, I, I, the other day, I can, I can weld right now, you know. Like, I can sit on a stool and do some stuff on my workbench. So, I, like, fix the windmill for my boss. Nice. You know, like, doing stuff like that. Like, it helps me just feel better, be productive, putting out, you know good things instead of like I don't know well, what's the other option because I think a lot of people take it yeah it will see for me like I, there isn't another option mm -hmm. you know like I've been through some some pretty bad injuries that a lot of people would collapse under that like it was like, like okay quit, yeah. well you know what do I do next mm -hmm. you know um, like I, I, I've got no feeling in, in three fingers in my right hand you know and, and what like I started mountain biking after that injury happened, um, so I can't even feel my brake brake finger at all. Hmm. I don't know if it's on the lever. I don't know what it's doing. I just hope it's responding to what what I want it to do. That's a little risky. Yeah, and and same with my thumb. Hmm. So I mean, the fact that my thumb's even hooked around the handlebar is a little bit of luck. Hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So, you know, like, I, I picked that up afterwards and was like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to figure out how to make it happen. Yeah, see, then that's what I think is, you know, the difference between um, you and I and, and a lot of the people out there who aren't really engaging their potentials or they're not finding outlets for themselves mm -hmm. is that we, you know, we have that release. We have that. Uh, and, yeah, we get injured. Um, yeah. But we also have a mentality of like, hey, I felt how good um, I feel when I do these things. You know, it's worth it uh, to pay that price every once in a while. Mm -hmm. You know, we've we've accepted. You know, that yeah, we're gonna get hurt. You know, I certainly have in jujitsu. Um, I didn't up to my first injury. I was like, no, I'm gonna be like one of those phenoms that don't get injured and stuff. And then bam, it happened and. Uh, I'm like, oh my God, is this going to be me for the rest of my life? And then, no, it doesn't have to be either or, like in those extremes. But it's more like, you're going to get injured if you do anything for any amount of time that matters. Yeah. You know, um, 
You know, if I took up professional walking, I'm sure I would have a hip injury at some point, yeah. right? In the pursuit of, of things that we find joy in, if we, if we do it and we do it hard and we do it fully a lot of times, not every time, you know, um, but a lot of times it costs not just money, but it costs, there's a physical price. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like you have to, you have to pay your dues uh, and have like a knee surgery yeah, before right. you, yeah, before, you know, whatever. Um, but most people I know who pursue things like this that are really important to them in their life, they accept that injury is a part of it. Yeah. You know, you just kind of have to sit and settle with it. You just, yeah. And it sucks. It's even though, you know, it's coming, it still sucks when you get it. Uh, but you have to find ways to make it productive, mm-hmm. you know, rather than, you know, keep, keep you lost. Um, I can't tell you how many people I've known who've gotten big injuries and then totally given up on what they were pursuing. Yeah. See, for for like for me right now, that's that's you know you got to keep everything more positive because then you can find the options, and that's what, you know why I'm I'm continuing to go into the gym and hang out with everybody is, is mm-hmm. keeping that going because you know it helps me keep that mindset of there is no give up option. You know, it's just there's there's only move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, like I mean, after every time I've had a major injury that should have ended a, a sports career, like I'll go back to that sport that it happened in, and make sure that I can still do it before I gave up on it. Has there ever been a sport that you couldn't? No, not yet. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of fear. I mean, and some of the back. injuries, like the 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 injury with my right arm, like that wasn't even didn't even happen in sports. That was just a Mm-hmm. young dumb drunk and stupid thing mm-hmm. um so you know like but i made sure that because it was during a, a, a you know good rugby career like i was a good rugby player in in college high school and college and uh you know so then i i injured myself and then recovered from it and then made sure like i went back and played one more season of rugby just to prove to myself i could do it mm-hmm and then was like, ah, okay, I'm done now. You know, it, was, it wasn't going to be as good. So, you know, I was like, all right, well, what's the next thing? And uh, downhill mountain biking, I don't know, mm-hmm. hit a nerve. But the important thing was that after a failure, you still made an effort to re-engage. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it was just that once to decide that this isn't for you. Yeah. You know, the important thing is that you you did try it again. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's what I think gets lost on a lot of people is um, not giving it that one good try afterwards. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it was and it was like an important part for me of, of just the, the mental aspect of recovering from injury mm. was that, you know, OK, I'm, I'm OK. And, 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 you know, you had talked about it earlier, like that sense of normal, what normal means to me. You know, it was like, all right, I'm normal. You know, I'm not I didn't lose it. And then, you know, with mountain biking, like, yeah, I've been through some, you know, they're, they're not big injuries. Like, I know a lot of people have been through way worse. Um, but just, you know, like the small injury, nagging injuries, dislocating toes and breaking my hands a couple of times. And, um, you know, some things like that, like separated shoulders. Uh, and then all, all the lacerations, abrasions, all that kind of stuff, too. Um, like, I don't know, like that did mountain biking is still just so it's it, still so fulfilling that I haven't mm-hmm. decided to move on to something else I'm just trying to now like grow and expand mm-hmm. um, 
with you know adding in jiu-jitsu as well and, and you know training MMA but you know competing in jiu-jitsu as well like it's just another another challenge and another puzzle and mm-hmm. I don't know like like I said more mm-hmm. of a growth instead of trying to keep it as a singular thing to focus on yeah so, so you talk about aspects it, of it you talk about it like it's a a puzzle I love that um, analogy because it drives one more question like um, what is the what is the deeper puzzle you know yeah underneath the mountain biking and the jiu-jitsu like those are just two expressions mm-hmm. of the same puzzle yeah just different pieces of it right so these puzzle this puzzle that we're talking about like what we what you and I engage in um, what what hopefully other listeners are, are engaging into these challenging things um, Sorry, I lost that word. The word that I was thinking of just a second ago. Um, geez, where did I? Where was I going with that? Anyway, lost train of thought. Yeah, it just it totally. And that's another. You know, I hope I want to talk about this too on a podcast someday. But like, what happens in those moments where those thoughts are just like they're totally there and they're solid and then poof. They're well, gone. I mean, isn't that part of the uh, that that conversation inside of your own mind, right? Like, yeah, totally. That internal monologue, mm-hmm. like it just sort of veers off, and you know, ooh, squirrel, mm-hmm. and then you absolutely lose what you were talking about. Yeah. Well, we were we were talking about injuries. Yeah. Oh man. Injuries. Oh yeah. So this puzzle. Yeah, so the, the puzzle. puzzle. Okay. So the puzzle that's underlying all these activities and these challenges that we put ourselves into um, is really a puzzle of self self-knowing right mm-hmm. well, like, like we said self-awareness yeah we're right? trying to put together this puzzle of an understanding of who we are and who we want to be and what does it mean to be human and what does it mean to be conscious and what does it mean to live in a universe on a planet that's flying ten thousand miles an hour through space mm-hmm. like what is all this stuff um that's the puzzle that the you know these activities give us little glimpses into you know so you you do mountain biking yeah because it's fun mm-hmm. um but you do it because you discover things about yourself yeah. through the activity. You do jujitsu because it's fun. I mean, it's hard as hell, uh, but you do it because you learn about yourself every single time you step mm-hmm. on the mat. So with every time we engage in these activities, it's like getting a new piece to this puzzle. Yeah. Right. And I don't know if, um, you know, if everyone knows that they're missing out on those things, you know, by not engaging in challenging activities, not pushing themselves mm-hmm. outside their comfort zone. Um, I mean, I think that's a lot of it is like, you know, that overcoming uncomfortable situations like we were talking about, like within, especially within jujitsu, like, you know, uh, you, you kind of have to adapt and overcome mm-hmm. like, okay, well, I'm, I'm uncomfortable here. How do I, what's the, what's the, uh, piece of the puzzle that fixes this? Like, where's, where's the, where's the move? What's the, what's the next thing? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of that, like just kind of adapting within each situation and then growing from it, mm-hmm. you know, like, and also like I, I was a lot more claustrophobic before, uh, before I started rolling, uh, especially with Z, I thought he was going to kill me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I like just the, the amount of pressure that people can put on you. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it freaks you out. That's like, commonly reported. Uh, when rolling with Z, yeah, makes you feel like you're, yeah, like you're in a tunnel and it's getting smaller and smaller. Yeah, yeah. and and just that that sort of you know that 
feeling, but it was just like, okay, well, I, you know, I'm uncomfortable here, but what's the, what's the solution? What, you know, where do I, uh, you know, what's the, what's the next step? Mm -hmm. Move forward. You know, how do you get out of this? Right. Because you, I mean, you already had that mindset developed mm -hmm. through exactly. other athletics and through other challenges, right? Yep. Part of this, um, emotional intelligence, part of the, uh, the wisdom and the maturity that mm -hmm. you've gained has been probably through participation in these activities yeah. right? because you're challenging yourself. You're challenging yourself with the, you know, life and death type problems on mm -hmm. a daily basis. Yeah. Well, and, and this is, this is like a new development for me to actually be aware of, of that and mm -hmm. like, you know, be processing it as its own thing. Like, you know, just like you, you learn these lessons, but like you don't see the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, I'm starting to see the bigger picture of all of that lining up into, you know, how it's, you know, made me how I am today and, and, uh, you know, things like that. Like, so this is, how old are you now? 31. So early thirties and you're, it sounds like you're entering a whole new period of your life where self-reflection is taking a great, uh, like a much more priority than it did in the past. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Why do you think, why do you think that happened now? Well, I mean, currently over the last like couple of weeks, mm -hmm. I mean, with the injury sure. and just kind of being stuck in the house pretty much. Um, but just in general, like trying to figure out like, you know, why do I feel this way about, you know, like my job and where I am in my life and, you know, like, uh, just trying to, um, you know, like be happier, hmm. you know what I mean? Like where do I find fulfillment in, in life and, and, you know, where do I want to end up? And I think that's just kind of one of those things of just trying to figure out, you know, where the hell I'm going in life. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's almost like in our teens and twenties, we're just so focused on what am I doing right now? Yeah. Move forward. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like it's like, where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? Somebody's telling you, I mean, when you're growing up, you're told what to do. Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry about it. And then, you know, you make a bunch of dumb decisions for yourself through your twenties mm -hmm. and then kind of, at least for me, you know, and, and then, then you know, I'm trying 30s, to figure yeah. out yeah, where I'm going, what I'm, you know, right. Thirties, you start to look ahead and like, okay. This life thing, it means business. You know, yeah. I got to figure out a There's plan. a lot more out here than what's, you know, right in front of me. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, just kind of figuring that, that sort of a thing. So it's like been, you know, in my head. So. So a time of, yeah, so it's a time of self-reflection and growth for you. You know, in, um, in psychology in college, a lot of the classes that we took were like around development of human beings and like how the mindset mind states and f mental focus changes uh over a lifespan and you know there's these these periods of time in in most humans lives where you know your mental focus is on different things um and it's not always this way but mm -hmm. in general like it's this way and it's like you know there's this period in infanthood where you're just like learning at a, such an incredible rate you know so you're just like a you're your mental is is a sponge mm -hmm. you know and then you know transitioning into toddlerhood then um you know uh childhood then young um you know teenage years and your focus changes you know and then in your 20s your you know your focus is on present moment and how how much uh you know for me it was how fucked up could i get and how how many parties could i go to and mm -hmm. how many sports could i do and um, all these things and then in my 30s, like, you start to switch into, like, 
um, thinking about your future, thinking about your career, thinking about um, a lot of people start to want to explore their spirituality in their 30s. Um, So you start to think about mortality a little bit more Mm -hmm. um, because your body does start to break down a little bit. You're getting older. You start to think like, oh, I remember when my parents were in their 30s and I thought they were so old. Now I'm in my 30s. So you start to think about things and at certain developmental stages in someone's development, uh, they will... They'll have these different mindsets and, you know, we just happen to be in the one where, you know, we're, we're expanding, we're, we're learning, we're trying to figure out who and what we are and what we want to do and how we want to make an impact. And, and, um, yeah, it's an exciting time. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's like you you talk about every stage in life is scary, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's an, it's a scary time as well. Like for, for me, it's, I guess, intimidating Mm. because it's, there's still so much potential for growth and and yeah it's still yeah and i mean the the, especially just the where i'm at in my life you know because i mean i work in manual labor and i have a degree i just don't like being in an office Mm -hmm. so you know it's it's much more fun for me to actually get to to work with my hands and do that sort of a thing but i can't do that forever Mm -hmm. you know that's yeah we gotta last yeah and uh, I think that's a, that's another thing that's shifted for me in my 30s, and especially in jiu-jitsu. Probably came through jiu-jitsu is just that you know now I'm more focused on longevity. Mm-hmm. Like how do I keep my body in functioning athletic order as long as possible yeah. and avoid injury? So now like like in my in my teens, I had zero thoughts of recovery. Like mm-hmm. uh, it was just all production, weightlifting, running, all these things, no recovery. And then my 20s, uh, it was still like compete, 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 push, push, push. Sleep is your recovery. Yeah. Uh, maybe a hot tub every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And now in my 30s, I'm like, okay, 50% of my active time needs to be de- dedicated to recovery. So like yoga, stretching, um, you know, sauna, all these things. Yeah, restorative stuff. Exactly. And the other half can be physical. Yeah, you see, know? and I think, you know, like we were talking about with that, that coming back to like my knee being yeah. currently injured, right? Like. Why I said why now is a valid question mm-hmm. is I just hit that wall mm-hmm. of that going through your 20s mm-hmm. and just sleep is re- restorative. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, I, I do yoga sometimes, but that was more just to stretch mm-hmm. and because it's a good workout. Sometimes, you know, it's like more mentally re- uh, restful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just hit that wall of like, okay, now I know. I need to, you know, spend a lot more time on the recovery thing. You know, now that's, that's my point. Mm-hmm. I just learn that lesson for myself so that's why that's an you know why now i think is still an important question to ask it's how you ask it Mm -hmm. yeah and what your focus is on yeah sounds like both you and i are hard learners yes (laughs) um yeah usually it takes you know the universe gives us subtle hints as as far as like what we need to learn Mm -hmm. but if we don't pick up on those hints then it gives us something big like right in our face and for me it's always you know it's been big injuries like that um where the universe is literally like no i'm gonna slow you down so you pay attention you know Mm -hmm. to what i've been trying to show you so these days i'm trying my best to um one of my good friends, uh, she told me a phrase, and I'm really trying to embody it and, again, positively reinforce this in my mind, but I'll tell myself, um, I learn best through joy. I learn best through joy, mm-hmm. right? Um, because I think for the longest time, the story I was telling myself was, I actually learn best through pain. Yeah. Or I learn best through injury. 
um, which was true. You know, mm -hmm. I learned valuable lessons from all my injuries, but I would rather um, instill joyous states, non-injured states, pain-free states as a form of learning um, rather than having to learn the painful way. Mm -hmm. So right now, that's something that I'm trying to imp implement into my internal diet is like, um, I learn through joy. Teach me through joy. Teach me through joy. Just kind of putting that prayer out into the yeah. universe. Like, I'm here. I'm open. Please continue to teach me the way you are, but do this. Let's do it in a nice way. I can learn yeah, this way too. Of, and start, you know, like, well, that's, that's one of the things that's, it's a, it's been a joke with a few of my friends is if you're not crashing, you're not learning. Yeah. Right. Right. Like that's mm -hmm. that learning through the pain, learning mm -hmm. the hard way. Mm -hmm. Um, or, you know, there's the, the, you learn more from your failures than you do your successes type of yeah. a thing. But, you know, you can also learn from your successes, mm -hmm. like, and, and learning how to do that more often, I think is just something that is, is, I guess, coming with maturity, right? Like learning how to do that and turn the mindset. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think the GoPro might be dying. I don't know. Is that what that means? I don't know. This is the first time I use the GoPro, so it'll be interesting. The The listeners are, are getting uninterrupted, so that's good. But yeah. um, the YouTube feed might have gone down, so yeah, I don't know. Well, I'll have to figure, figure it out later. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well. Again, um, learning, right? Yeah, Learn exactly. from the universe, and it provides, it provides ample learning. Yeah. Perfect example. Plug-in power source. Yeah, Instead exactly. That's probably what I'll do. Yeah. Yeah. Problem solved. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, engaging with this internal dialogue is super important. Um, I mean, you know that I know that we talked about uh, mental toughness a little bit and like mm -hmm. how we tend to take like a growth oriented perspective. Like something tragic happens, we don't really dwell on it for too long. Yeah. We just kind of look towards like, well, how's this gonna help me? You know, get better. Um, but I think a lot of people out there who are listening to this probably don't have that skill set um, to do that they might find themselves getting stuck in like negative thought spirals mm -hmm. or something happens you get fired or lose a pet or something like that um, I mean that's something I'm dealing with right now losing a pet yeah really yeah you know, I, I mean it's been a couple of months but I mean I, I have a right. dog for a long time and he's you know been with me through everything yeah and that's like some of that stuff's the harder things to let go yeah you know, like the, the physical side of being injured and things like that, it's easy for me to process. But, you know, like the, the like death in the family. Losses. Losses yeah. like that. Like that's a lot harder to process. Yeah, I'm dealing with it right now too with um, Tank and he just got his uh, cancer surgery. Um, hopefully that went well. But yeah. Um, but, yeah, when stuff like that happens, it makes you think about mortality and death. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, letting go of that stuff is – it is harder how do you how do you deal with that kind of thing? Everybody, because every, that's something yeah. everybody has to do. Yeah, everybody I mean, every, has to deal with that. Everybody's gonna have to deal with it yeah, at some point because that's like the inevitable, right? right. Um, you know, what is it? Death and taxes, right? Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it's it's something I still struggle with. Like I, I definitely haven't figured it out. Um, you know, because you definitely go through like, you know, the denial of, of like, no, nah, this isn't this isn't happening. This isn't normal. You know, and then suddenly it becomes the normal that that person or that pet, whatever, you, you know, is not a part of your life anymore. Um, and for me, like, I don't know if that's fully processing it or not, because it just kind of like I just create a new norm. Exactly. Um, you know, that kind of like, a, like I've said, like that adapt and like we're talking about getting through injuries and things like that. Well, it's like, well, what's the new normal? Um, 
And I think that's just kind of how I deal with it at the moment. But at the same time, like, I mean, it's, it's difficult. Like, you know, there's times where you still break down and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, like, I mean, I lost my dad four years ago randomly, uh, to just like a freak, um, genetic blood thing, Mm. like over, uh, hypercoagulability in the blood Hmm. that caused um, pulmonary thromboembolism. So blood clots in the lungs that he wasn't getting oxygen into his blood and he just passed out. Didn't know about it? Nope. Wow. He thought he had pneumonia and was going to go to the doctor the next day and I talked to him on the phone and then, you know, next morning wake up and I'm getting a call from the EMT saying you need to pick up your mom and take her to the hospital. Wow. You know, and I'm still dealing with that. Mm -hmm. You know, um, just in like weird day-to-day things you know like the different little triggers so i don't know if it like i said that's why those are difficult for me to let go or like to move forward from mm-hmm. you know like being injured is easy mm-hmm. anything that happens to me uh directly mm-hmm. it's easy to deal with mm-hmm. it's the bigger um things you can't control outside of yourself yeah and sometimes your new normal after losing those those people and those pets your new normal without them can be sometimes difficult to like accept mm-hmm. um that that makes it difficult to let go yeah you know to have those memories still yeah and and not let them like affect you or drag you down but still hold on to them yeah they're, you know yeah you don't want to then that's 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 one of the things that you know we we were using let go earlier when we were talking mm-hmm. about like negative thoughts and things like that and I wanted to say it at the time, but I kind of just let it go, <laughs> but uh, or let it pass. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I try to tell myself like I'm not letting go; I'm moving forward. Mm. You know, because like, I don't want to let go of like in, in terms of uh, injury, I don't want to let go of the the level of athlete that I was, but I want to move forward. Right. You know, in terms of like loss of my father or, or my dog, you know, I don't want to let go of them. I want to hold on to them. Right. But I want to move forward. You want to, yeah, move forward holding on to them. Yes. Yeah, holding on to the memory. Yes. So, like, that's that's something that is a part of that internal mind conversation mm-hmm. is, you know, also cha- changing when I say that, like, no, move forward, you know, and then holding on to that thought that I can do that and still is a positive thing. So it's like a mantra for you that you use, like, move forward, move forward. Anytime you face tragedy or... Or if you have a negative... Anytime I'm sitting on the couch doing nothing. Right, a thought of doubt or, like, I'm lazy. Move forward. Yeah, I'm lazy. Move forward. What are you going to do? What can you do? Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. I think everyone needs a mantra to help motivate them, get them off the couch. Yeah, I mean, so that's just kind of that that sort of a thing for me, you know? Um, And, I mean, that's, like, it also applies for me in mountain biking, like, jokingly. Like, I've told people, just put me on my bike and point me downhill. Mm. You know? It's that simple. Yeah. It becomes that simple once you find your your thing. Yeah. So you know, and it's it's like, uh, I used to I used to joke and be like, why the fuck would you want to pedal uphill, man? Um, and then I've kind of found the the again like that overcoming that how much it sucks climbing some of the hills, especially around here because it's like three point five miles of fire road, hmm. you know, just straight up the side of a mountain um, for Tower Road up here in Horsetooth Mountain Park. Uh, but the downhill part is just so amazing. Like, it's worth it. And you kind of, you know, it's also that uh, almost meditative, like, zen state of, like, you're just pedaling and counting your breath and keeping cadence. And, you know. you're not thinking about anything else. You're not thinking about. I mean, not really. Not a lot of stuff. You know, uh, I would say a lot of times during those grueling climbs, like when it's a technical, rocky, 
you know, stair steps and things, then I'm present in that. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm not, when I'm like climbing a big hill, I'm not there. You know, I'm off somewhere else in my mind. Like, I don't know, maybe tapping into something or just sort mm. of, you know, wandering around in thought. Um, so you're using your mind, uh, you're using the, you know, the tool of distraction mm -hmm. almost to keep your mind off of how grueling yeah, it how, is. Yeah, how bad it is, yeah. But but then when you switch gears and you go downhill and you want to enjoy that's it, present you find moment. yourself present moment. Yeah. Huh, that's, I like how you you compartmentalize yeah and you dissociate you know. kind of yeah exactly yeah you know it can be useful yeah um i mean it's the same sort of thing like in in jujitsu like in talking about that like you know i can disassociate from like okay i'm getting choked out right now like can i find a way out like and you know my brain's still going in a different in a different direction trying to think of okay well if i can get to here then i can get to there and you know and it's the same sort of thing like when i'm going downhill mm -hmm. you know like I think I find my best for performances in anything when I just get out of my mind mm -hmm. altogether you know when I find the flow state I uh I feel like there's there's very little um I mean there's still like analytical thought happening at a million miles a minute but it's it's like perfect you know yeah, it's, well, all the pieces are together I'm not getting hung up on anything in particular and um my mind is just you know, I'm letting it constantly just turn over and turn over and turn over. There's no struggle. There's no resistance. I'm not holding on. See, I think for me, it's the the realization that, like, my mind isn't, you know, in terms of, like, calling it a conversation, right? My mind's not talking. Mm -hmm. It's not. There's nothing. It's blank. Right. There's just, like you said, the analytical thought of, like, action, mm -hmm. you know, what I'm what I'm actually doing. But there's no, there's nothing else. It's just, like, quiet download mm -hmm. yeah so that would be more like a zen mind mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um that you know that that's when like i'm at that peak at that top level of performance which is rare you know a lot of the time i'll be thinking about you know weird shit like i'm i'll be going down a run and i can I'm, I'm conscious of the fact that i'm like oh man i gotta pack up my trailer when we get done with this as like, you're racing as i'm racing and then i'm like what are you doing no 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 no, no. get back to it like get after it you know um, and then it goes back to being quiet, but like, like the, the, those little blinks of like coming in and out of like flow state and, and that, and, and for me, like I said, the, that Zen moment is when everything's mm -hmm. quiet. Yeah. Sometimes I make mistakes in those, um, in-betweens, mm -hmm. you know, especially during the part where I get self-critical. So I'll yep. come out of the flow state or I'll come out, uh, you know, I'll recognize that I'm thinking about something totally unrelated and then I'll beat myself up for it yep. in the next thought. Like, like, you idiot, stop thinking about, you know, what you got to do at work. You know, you're, you're here on the mat. And in that amount of time that I had that thought, that's when I just made a mistake. Mm -hmm. That's usually like, what fuck. it is. Yeah. When it would be so much more useful if I just recognized uh, that my thought was wandering and just bring it back. Well, With I mean, no isn't, judgment. Isn't that... It, from my lim limited understanding, isn't that kind of like what meditation is? It's it's like, a, well, that's what mindfulness being, practices. Yeah, being able to be like be aware of that thought and just immediately mm -hmm. continue on, let yeah. it go. And the advanced practices, uh, once you develop awareness of the of what the what the distracting thought feels like, or mm -hmm. uh, you know, you can you start to gain a sensitivity to it, so that you can feel those thoughts starting to percolate and generate before it even forms into a thought you can feel it rising and when you start to feel that rising that's when you let it go mm -hmm. 
so that there's no thought that came in and distracted you. Like that's yeah. that's where it can go. Um, so you're just constantly just like letting things go before they're even manifesting in your mind mm-hmm. um, to be totally present. Yeah, you know that's that's the ideal. But I don't know anybody who can be mindful 100% of every moment. You yeah. know, I met a monk in Thailand once who told me that he only engages in five thoughts a day. Um, I mean, he still has, you know, the same 30,000 thoughts that we all have, but he he lets them go at such rapid paces. He says he only puts any energy into, like, five chosen thoughts a day. He chooses yeah. five thoughts that he wants to put energy into, and then he puts a lot of energy into those. Uh, the rest is just like, come in, let it go, come in, let it go, let it go, let it go, you know? Yeah. I mean, if, if I could do that for, like, five minutes at a time. Right. that's race runs are, you know, and same with matches, right? Mm-hmm. Five minutes. Like, a race run is anywhere from two and a half to seven minutes mm-hmm. at most. I mean, it's, like, a couple of miles, you know, averaging 20-something miles an hour, dodging down the mountain. Like, if I can just put together that for those those little periods of time, like, that's, that's the, the ultimate goal. Well, if you can put together a five-minute run physically mm-hmm. you can do a five minute run mentally yeah it just takes training just like yeah. you did with your physical self and all well, that's that's exactly the you know like that that part of of uh growth and adapt and overcome and something that I'm, I'm also taking as an opportunity to do with being injured right now is like i have to focus on that instead of trying to focus on physical training and mental performance type of thing like or you know like working on that sort of consciousness uh, mm-hmm. of 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 that like right now that's all I can focus on mm-hmm. um, so again it's that just moving forward what's the next thing I can do yeah so another um, and you probably heard this before already but another thing that I really started embracing in my 30s was um, the phrase train smarter not harder mm-hmm. right in my teens and 20s is all like train harder yeah. whoever trains hardest is the one that's going to win yeah right but now in our 30s it's like you got to train smarter so when you can't do the things that you normally could physically like you still got to use that time most efficiently Mm -hmm. you know so like right now like you're digging really deep into the mental side of your of your sport performance yeah i'm taking it as an opportunity to do that because i mean like there's nothing else to do Mm -hmm. you know yeah and you know when you when you injure your knee and you feel a little down on yourself it's hard to get in the gym and like work your upper body right but that's something you could be doing now so how are you going to use your time most efficiently to still move forward like you said move forward towards your goal yeah. you can still do that every day yeah you know, you're not paralyzed exactly yeah there's and a I lot mean, of things you can it's do it's easy and it's very easy to do to to behave that way you yeah know? like that's that's definitely like i said that first week after getting hurt like i, I was in that sort of just that dark place of like i can't do a thing everything's over mm-hmm. You know, and then like I just kind of realized again, like it's not productive. It's not helping me. Mm-hmm. You know, move forward, figure out what the next thing is to do. Um, it's always you know. something else you can be working yeah, on. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you know, that's why like I, I I went out in the garden yesterday and just like barefoot working in the dirt, pulling weeds and, and like getting it ready for planting. Like I said, and, and uh, you know, just trying to do some things like that and finding other ways to. You know, just like cleaning up spots in my house, like because I, you know, I've got extra bedrooms that aren't really getting mm-hmm. used, like dusting. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to do some some things like that that I've been ignoring, uh, taking care of that because I'm stuck in the house, sure, but that doesn't mean I can't move around some. Right. So you're being given an opportunity to to look at the things you've been neglecting too. Yeah, exactly. The gardens, the household, probably some other things like and, aspects of yourself that you've yeah. been you've been minimizing or or yeah subduing. Exactly. So, you know, and, and, uh, 
you know, it's just an opportunity is how I try to treat a lot of things. I'm trying to, to get my mindset to where everything's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, what is an opportunity for? Got to find that reason. That's very true. I love that. You know, everyone, everything is an opportunity. Yeah. If we could just be reminding ourselves of that every single day with every interaction that we have, that everything is, a, you know, everything is for my benefit and everything is providing learning. What's the opportunity here? Yeah. You know, maybe that can be a good mantra, you know. Any situation that you find yourself in, just ask yourself, what, what's the opportunity here? Mm-hmm. Someone cuts you off in in the grocery store line and then flips you off instead of getting angry ask yourself what's the opportunity here yeah well there's an opportunity to be the bigger person there's an opportunity to express their inappropriate behavior you know there's an opportunity to beat the shit out of the guy if you wanted but uh there's an opportunity to take the high road Mm -hmm. you know instead of the low road yeah it's that you know the the everything's got a you know a positive and a negative side there's a silver lining in everything exactly we just have to be aware that that is a real thing that it's there it exists mm-hmm. and then look for that well, i mean it's, it's 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 as simple as uh you know hitting a red light you know everybody like you hit a red light you're like god damn it mm-hmm. right driving down the road but because you hit that red light you miss the accident at the next intersection yep you know like just there's there's that opp- opportunity to be slowed down like for me in my case with my knee right now it's an opportunity to be slowed down and then focus on other things like mm-hmm. And learn certain lessons. Like I need to, you know, more restorative practices, that sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, also like work on that mental side of everything. Yeah, that's what I'm learning right now from my my freaking tweaked back. Is I need more yoga. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if I if I would have been doing yoga the way I wanted to a couple times a week, this probably wouldn't have even happened. Yeah, there you go, being a hard learner, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, now I know my life. <laughs> yeah. Do yoga for like 40 minutes tonight. Yeah, I mean, there you go. Uh, that's that's that sort of thing like and you know like I, I'm trying to do a lot more stretching right now as much as I can but when mm-hmm. you can't really bend your knee or straighten it yeah it's tough it makes it difficult mm-hmm. yeah um, I gotta introduce you to a, a friend of mine he's a black belt up in um, Montana his name is Professor Neil Professor Mike Neal so shout out to Professor Neil uh, he's uh, has one leg and he uh, he is amazing grappler <laughs> yeah, there's there's that uh, grappler from, um, what was it, Trials that I've seen a couple of times at different tournaments. And, and I was like, at first you think that that'd be a limiting factor. And the guy is amazing. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, Professor Neil, um, yeah, he, he'll he wipe the floor with you. Uh-huh. you know, he's amazing. Um, and the things that he can do uh, baffle me. Yeah. You know, his understanding and his uh, his his awareness of what he's capable of and you know he's aware of what he's not capable of but he's yeah. aware of other things that he's capable of because uh he doesn't have a leg mm-hmm. you know, there's things that he can do that we can't do yeah well, like i mean passing guard yeah it's freaking there's no such thing as half guard right it's an opportunity right well now they can't get me in half guard mm-hmm. or you know mm-hmm. there's that sort of a that's i mean at least that's kind of what i would try to apply to it yeah so in the past when i've gotten injuries you know i tore my bicep off my arm once uh i got it reattached and you know it's like six months in a you know in a sling and so i was like tying my i'm like what what can this be an opportunity for uh it's only one little part of my body that's injured the rest of me is fine Mm -hmm. so i would just like tie my arm to my chest with my belt and i learned 
like for four or five months, I just grappled at Z's with one arm. Mm -hmm. So uh, I got really good at submitting people with one arm, with controlling positions with one arm. Um, it was an opportunity for me to learn a whole new skill set mm -hmm. and to sh and show myself that I can still do this thing and still do it effectively, even if like I get my arm ripped off, yeah. you know, or like, God forbid, like someone like shoots my arm and it doesn't work, and like I can still, I still do what I need to do. Oh yeah, well, I mean when when I lost feeling in my in my hand, like I had. Hey, you're to do, telling me about that. I had to do everything left-handed. I mean, mm -hmm. I I was right-handed when it happened. I went. A week after uh, the injury happened, I went and took a physics, written physics final left-handed. Hmm. Um, so, like, I taught myself how to write left-handed within the span of a week. Wow. Uh, and, like, everything you do, like, you're just doing with, you know, one hand, like, learning how to wash dishes. Mm -hmm. That one's interesting. Try to chase a dish around on the bottom of a sink mm -hmm. with a sponge. You know, like, just different things like that. You learn how to do things differently. You yeah. know, again, opportunity to learn. Exactly. And all, I mean, and then you get the function of your arm back or the function of your leg back and then you're that much better yeah. because, you know, now you just have like an extra. Yeah. You feel expanded. Right. It's like yeah. you have three arms mm -hmm. now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, 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 you know, it's just like completely new thing. Right. So I want to get back to, uh, just a little bit to this uh, thing that you were talking about before, uh, which I love because you, you, you named it in the exact way that I... Um, phrase it with with clients that I work with like what's the new normal right finding your new normal mm -hmm. is an important thing for anybody and not just with injury but with any any challenge any uh, failure any um, mistake that you made oh, yeah. right? so adjusting and keeping your expectations within reason uh, is part of this too and you know that was something that I had to find out for myself unfortunately after my injuries is that I'm never going to be you know, my knee's never going to be 100%. Yeah. And that's okay because uh, I have a new normal. And, you know, as long as I accept that, you know, this is my new normal, these are my new capabilities, then I can work with that. Mm -hmm. You know, if I continue to deny or, or be in denial about or just not accept that I'm never going to be 100%, then I'm constantly going to be in, in a conflict with myself, you know? Yeah. Causing, like, uh, mental tension and physical tension in my body because I'm fighting against myself. Mm -hmm. um, so instead, I'm just like, okay, this is my new normal. Status quo changes. Yeah, so the status quo is maybe I'm at... Um, now maybe my 100% effort is like 85% of what it used to be. Mm -hmm. Okay, but that's okay. I just have a new 100%. Yeah. Um, other areas can even improve even higher. So I can be um, better in certain areas than I ever would have been had I not gotten injured. Yeah. Right? So everything kind of balances out in that way too and being able to keep that, that broader perspective. Yeah, and I mean that's that's the hard thing to maintain. Like mm -hmm. it's the broader perspective of things. Mm -hmm. Um and then, I mean, when you're dealing with, like, other things like loss and, and that sort of thing, like, that's where it just gets, for me, more difficult, mm -hmm. like, to maintain the broader perspective. But, I mean, there's certain things, like, I, I can joke about, like, the loss of my dad. Like, I'm like, geez, you know, he, he liked watching the news and, you know, could get riled up about politics. And, well, with the state of politics now, like, he'd be losing his mind. So, at least he avoided that, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, there's just, like, certain things like that that, you know, that help me at least process and, and set that new that new norm mm -hmm. of, of, you know, like, I don't know, finding a positive side of it and, and then, you know, like, moving on the other side of the line, you know, like, you create that new normal and getting, you know, moving forward, getting on the other side of it. 
Yeah, with your dad, it's you know it's different than most people's losses because it wasn't like he was in a lot of pain. No, you know, so you can't tell yourself like at least he's not in pain anymore. Yeah, right. Well, he he's just fine. And yesterday when I was talking to him, you know, um, but yeah, I I love how you you know you probably had to dig deep for to find that example to tell yourself like well at least he doesn't have to deal with freaking donald trump yeah like you know, you know just with the, any of that stuff like mm-hmm. yeah it's it's there's just certain things you know there's other things that bum me out like you know there's a, a band that w- he would love right i don't get to share that with him you know mm-hmm. but but you know that's the, also that new normal it's like i don't get to i don't get to hit him up and be like hey do you, you need to check out get a greta van fleet they sound just like led zeppelin mm-hmm. like you'll freak out like, you know, and so, like, it, there's there's those things, you know, but, like, you start to, you get used to it, you know? And I don't know, that's the thing is, like, for me, like, I don't know, like I said, it's easy for me to, to, to deal with things that happen directly to me. Yeah. But the things that happen in that bigger picture, like, that's that's where it's difficult. Mm. You know? Um, and just trying to learn and, and grow and figure out how to how to process that stuff. Yeah, well, I think we're all learning that. Yeah, right. You know? I mean, that's that's that. Uh... We're all learning how to process loss and and death um, throughout our whole lives. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of those lessons that we're all trying to figure out. We're all trying to learn. Yeah, yeah. That um, I don't know if I shared this with you before, but uh, I saw the Dalai Lama speak one time on um, down in Denver, and someone from the audience he was taking questions, and someone from the audience asked him what the meaning of life was, and he said. Uh, the meaning of life is to learn how to deal with death better. Um, and he said, you know, when you're really young, you know, imagine yourself like four or five years old and you like lose a goldfish or like a pet, like it's devastating. Yeah. Like you're bawling and your whole week is like shot and like um, you hold on to it for a long time. You don't handle death well. But the more you experience loss and death and breakups and things, it's painful. Imagine breakup, right? Yeah. My most painful breakups that I can remember is like second grade. Where I was like crying in the corner uh, all day long, you know, for a breakup. You yeah. Know? And it's because we don't know how to deal with it mm-hmm. back then. But as you age and you deal with it more and more and more, the Dalai Lama says we should be learning from those and gaining proficiency in dealing with loss. Yeah. And so, you know, in your in your teens, you get a little bit better at dealing with breakups and with loss. And then in your 20s, you get a little bit better. 30s, you start losing, you know... Maybe some friends start passing away. Those are painful, um, you know. But as you age, you lose your parents. You know that's painful. And then in later age, you start losing a lot of people, right? Yeah. Um, but by that time, he would say, I think that we should be pretty well versed in it by then. That it should be like um, not that traumatizing for yeah. us. Like it's still sad and it's still a loss, but it's not. It's not going to affect us for a really long time. So is that one of the parts of maturing? Yeah, you know, I is think that so. is that another aspect of it right there? Right, like is that the definition? Yeah, like it's part of it. I think learning to deal with loss. Um, if you don't learn how to deal with loss, you're going to be in a lot more suffering mm-hmm. throughout your lifetime. Yeah, um, and I I know people like that too. You know, they oh, yeah. still have a really tough time dealing with loss, and they're older, and they're in a lot of pain internally. No, I mean, I guess that's that's that other part of uh, part of it as well is like they're not self aware enough to realize how much pain they actually might be in. Yeah, you know, and then be able to actually process and deal with it. Yeah, 
I tell you what, uh, that self-awareness piece is so important, and it, re- it reminds me of um, something I've been trying to keep in the forefront of my mind these days is that, uh, you know, the awareness or the self-knowledge that we are um, infinite, that we're infinite beings mm-hmm. um, in an energetic sense, uh, yeah. not physically, right, but energetically, maybe in this consciousness sense that we're infinite beings, um, it helps me deal with grief and loss so much easier if I can keep that on my forefront that, you know, no matter who I lose or, you know, if Tank passes away from cancer or whatever, like, he's never gone. Yeah. You know, we're infinite energetic beings. He's still always going to be with me. He's always going to leave an imprint on my memory. He's always going to have an imprint, you know, the same air he breathed in his lifetime. I'm going to continue to breathe the yeah. same molecules for the rest of my life. Looks well, like we were saying how you hold on to them, exactly. and then, you know, and then move forward. You're not letting it go. Yeah. You know? So just remembering that for for me anyway, remembering yeah. like we're infinite in so many ways, um, you know I have nothing to fear. Yeah, and it it's okay when people when people's physical body passes away because uh, they're still here. Mm-hmm. They're still with us in a lot of different ways. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's that's like you know it's kind of what we've been talking about too. It's just dealing with your your fear of things and and you know that conversation within your mind that it's okay to. Like, this is okay, you know, like, I can hold on to that, I can remember them, uh, you know, they, like you're saying, they are an infinite being, mm-hmm. so their energy is still here, mm-hmm. you know? Well, their energy's here, their memory's still here, you know, little parts of their DNA, I'm gonna have his, uh, DNA is hair all over my possessions for the rest of my life. Oh, yeah, I, I have, uh... Like I always, and it, and just like in leaving my dog at home, you know, while he was still alive, like when I go race, I'd leave him at home. Mm-hmm. Like his, his hair will be stuck in my goggles. Mm. He'd poke him in the eye and I'm like, oh, Diesel's saying, what's up? You know what I mean? I'm going to be doing that till I stop racing. Probably I'll keep, you know, brand new pair of goggles. There'd be diesel hair in it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, but it's going to happen. Are you going to get another dog? Uh, eventually, maybe. Yeah. You know? How long was it? At? Uh, well, I mean, he passed in January. January. Yeah. Yeah. So a few months. Yeah. So maybe someday. Yeah, get we'll another see. one. I'll get another Malamute. Mm-hmm. And there's no, um, you know, there's no replacing those oh, no. people or those pets. But you know, we shouldn't keep ourselves closed off to experiencing the love and the joy that we we did experience just because of the pain that we feel when they when they leave us. You know, I see so many people like not giving relationships a chance because of that. Mm-hmm. Like, like I'm not going to get in a relationship because I don't want to ever be hurt well, again. Yeah, it's the fear thing. Yeah. Well, you're also you're minimizing. The, the amount of opportunities you're going to have to experience pure joy and mm-hmm. true love and, you know, all these things that you can only experience by taking that risk. Yeah. You know, you can't play it safe and and uh, gain all the rewards at the same time. You have to you have to play risk. Yeah, I mean, isn't that like, you know, that engaging in extreme sports, right? Exactly. You're playing with risk in order for the reward of, like, mm-hmm. for me, you know, it's more like that, that just fulfillment within myself. Like, I feel good when I get to get out mm-hmm. and try to reach to a potential you know I always find a sport to keep myself entertained but mm-hmm. like these you know especially mountain biking like it that's what where I you know I can feel where my potential is and keep reaching for that you know mm-hmm. for that end um I guess not end but you know what I mean like reaching towards that kind of that infinite goal mm-hmm. um, just so you can feel fulfilled yeah 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 because I mean it's that overcoming that fear and everything else to hit flow state and mm-hmm. 
And I honestly, I think that that overcoming the fear is the bigger goal. Yeah. You know, right now you're you're practicing in overcoming the fear um, through an activity, right? Yeah. Through facing fear, but someday you're not going to be able to do that activity anymore. You're going to be too old, you know, maybe to be your seventies or sixties, but someday you won't be able to do it. You won't have that opportunity to face your fear. So right now you're practicing because you're still going to need that skill set Mm -hmm. in your, in your everyday life to, to face fears. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Trying to, you know, develop that and see what happens. Keep reaching for potential, right? That's a great uh, mental tool to, to focus on. Oh yeah. I think that's a, a good spot for us to wrap it up. Um, man, what an awesome conversation. Yeah, that, that went a lot of places. Yeah, we went full circle uh, quite a few times Yeah, um, based off that first question. Uh, I think that was great. You know, it just flowed really nicely. I hope that uh, all of you guys out there listening in the audience um, can pick up on some of the things that we had to share today and, you know, find that silver lining, find that opportunity for learning and in, in – uh, a mixture of um, me forgetting what I was saying and and being uh, too stoned at, at certain moments and having uh, the conversation <laughs> totally leave the room and leave my mind. So hopefully you guys found some gems in there and um, little nuggets. Yeah, some little nuggets and uh, you know find that this stuff is is useful. You know we covered a lot of things about overcoming fears and putting together pieces of our own um, puzzle of self discovery and maturity and creating new normals and um potentials and all sorts of awesome stuff uh thank you tom for coming on the show my pleasure thanks for having me yeah it was amazing to have you on i hope you have you on in the future yeah definitely all right for all you listeners out there this is shane lamaster signing off for conversations with the mind oh and um just uh just a little announcement we're having a, a band down in Denver um the Arturo Complex are currently recording some tracks for me and for this show in particular um again that's where um you know the money that comes in from donations uh goes towards making the show better and that's where uh, some of the donations went is to pay this band to to make some uh, audio tracks to help improve your listening experience so um Keep those donations coming in. We dropped all of our ad uh, sponsors because I was getting really annoyed with how uh, ridiculous those sounded, and I know some of you guys probably were too, so I just dropped all the ads anyway. It wasn't worth it. So now we're totally relying on uh, your support and your donations, and that's the way I feel it should be. If I'm producing good content, I will know um, based on your guys' response. So if you feel uh, feel the need... Donate 50 cents today. Donate a dollar. A dollar per episode is is, uh, not that much, but it will greatly help us improve. We're going to be getting new mics and uh, soundboards and stuff soon too, so all that should be good. And I promise I'll figure out this YouTube uh, GoPro issue and uh, have it plugged in next time. We'll figure it out. Maybe Tom will help me. He has more experience with the uh, GoPro. Anyway, so this is Shane signing out uh, for Conversations with the Mind. Thanks, Tom, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Keep it real. Whoa, that was an amazing podcast with Tom. But man, I got too baked for the, before I did that episode. And uh, if you couldn't tell... Uh, I lost a train of my thought like three times and Tom and I had an interesting laugh afterwards uh, about 
um, how real I like to keep these podcasts and how I don't do any editing on purpose. Um, because I don't know, for me, this is an opportunity for for me to be as vulnerable as I can possibly be with myself and, uh, you know, with all of you, whoever's listening out there and, um, you know, take a real honest, hard look at myself. And that includes all my flaws and all my mistakes. And every time that I forget what I'm trying to say. So I thought that was an awesome uh, podcast with Tom. Tom and I talked about a lot of cool things. uh, And afterwards, uh, Tom remarked that he felt it was really cool how we talked about like a lot of consciousness things, but all kind of through a lens of mountain biking. And he never quite quite done that before so that was really cool to hear that feedback from him and and hear about his experience but yeah man we talked all about mental toughness you know confronting your inner dialogue um trying to put together the puzzle of um really discovering yourself so the process of self-actualization and the process of learning about yourself and figuring out who you really are and self-discovery and self-awareness that's that puzzle you know and how every experience and every interaction with every person is an opportunity to collect one more piece to that puzzle that unraveling of who we are that's uh got me so curious and so fired up Uh, we talked a lot about maturity and what that means and how society defines it and how we define it for ourselves and how we can Still be mature people, but enjoy doing immature shit, and it's a hell of a lot of fun to go be a little reckless every once in a while and be a little childlike. Um, But yeah, we talked about uh, fear-based mindsets, especially around uh, re-engaging in sport after injury, and that was really cool to hear uh, his perspective, and I got to reflect on my own past in, in that realm. I hope you guys found that information useful. Uh, Even if you're not injured now, just remember this podcast and maybe come back to it at a different time. Um, The stuff we talked about, if I would have had that when I was working through my first ACL surgery that caused me a depression and a relapse into drugs and alcohol after four and a half years of sobriety, if I would have known that information that Tom and I were talking about today, I think it would have kept me sober. It would have saved my save my ass, um, save my skin, but I needed that relapse at that time for whatever reason, uh, to become who I am today. So I hope that you guys find it, uh, interesting and useful. And if you do, please remember to donate guys. That's, that would be awesome. Um, I've been putting a lot of, um, money and time and effort into this podcast, uh, getting new equipment, you know, the GoPro, um, was a new thing. I'm getting new microphones soon. Um, buying an editing program for, uh, you know, software and, um, editing video and audio. So please donate guys. Even a dollar helps, helps, um, ease that financial burden, uh, of starting your own, Um, thing in your own podcast but I'm doing it all for you guys I promise Uh, this is all for you guys so all the money that gets donated goes straight back into the podcast Um, anyway check out our YouTube page the MindOps YouTube page and check out our website www.mind-ops.com 
I will uh, post the um, Tom has shared a video of himself doing his mountain biking and uh, I'm going to post the link to that uh, in the description so go check that out as well if you want to see what he does with his downhill mountain bike racing um, for now this is Shane signing off peace and love to everybody keep smiling and we'll talk to you soon whoop whoop <laughs>